0: Hi ho there disaffected males. This is Jordan Peterson and I'm here to talk to you today about what it means to be a man. Sometimes when you're a man you gotta stand up for what you know is right and and one of those things that you know is right is masturbating to skinny women. You shouldn't have to masturbate to fat women just because the internet says you have to. Me personally, I'm against masturbation. But if you're going to masturbate, you should make sure it's to a woman who looks like what you want a woman to look like. You know, the standard beauty types that, that are, you know, uh, dictated by our biological needs for skinny women. It... Now you may ask yourself, Jordan Peterson, come on man, don't you think you're wasting everybody's time by complaining about changing beauty standards? Well no, I don't, because as we all know, fat women, uh, that's just bringing you one step closer to a lazy, sedentary lifestyle where you lose your masculinity. As we all know, fat women, they, uh, they, uh, they're a lot... They're a lot more controlling than the skinny women because the skinny women are hungry all the time, so you as a man can more easily control them. But the fat ladies, they're they're full of energy from the food eating, and they could easily knock you over. Like look at me, I'm a tall skinny man. A fat woman could easily push me to the ground and and take all my uh, all my all my lunch money, and I need my lunch money, and I, I need it. Because I need to buy a good lunch for my masculine growing body. So so I, I think that everyone should stop being mean to me on the Twitter. Just because I said what we're all thinking. Which is that fat women could easily knock a grown man to the ground. And, and beat him up. And you know that's not what we want. As the masculine men we, we want to be the ones who can... Knock a woman down and, and and take their their lunch money uh, and, and go to subway with it and besides when you knock a skinny woman down, you're doing them a favor because you're you're helping them to stay skinny but a fat woman when she knocks a man down she's just establishing that you know postmodern Marxism over your body and you know as as a masculine man y- you don't need that so please I'm Jordan Peterson. Uh, please buy my new book um called Please Don't Knock Me Over Fat Lady. Uh, I'm a man. Thank you for listening to Jordan Peterson. Uh, remember, it's it's always better to be a man. Go go sports teams. Welcome to the show. Welcome, everyone. Uh, welcome to Ruben Uncut. I am here uh, once again with my, uh, with my good friend, Ryan Lubin, uh, communist business owner. And uh, and friend of the show, uh, welcome back, good sir.
1: Thank you. It's good to be here.
0: It's uh, it is a pleasure to have you here. Um, so life has been uh, life has been going. Uh, life's been pretty nuts in the world. Although that's it's not really new. It was nuts last time we talked. Um, you recently uh, you recently sent me a video um, called "Dissecting the." Uh, The Manoverse from uh, F.D. Signifier, who I've seen a couple of his videos, and honestly, he seems like a pretty cool guy. Um,
1: Yeah, I like him a lot. I think he does some really concise work.
0: Agreed. Um, So basically, um, what the video, and like I said, I haven't gotten to see all of it yet, but what the video breaks down to is uh, straight white men are not okay. And I don't mean... (laughs) And I don't mean like it's not okay to be a straight white man. I mean, straight white men are are mentally struggling in these times, and uh,
1: maybe they've always have been. I think I think that the you know the patriarchy has affected them to such a degree that uh, they are, you know, really really struggling, and and actually the suicide numbers would uh would validate that because it's something like 60 or 70 percent of suicides are white males in in the country you know so I think that's pretty interesting so I mean it's definitely been my experience coming from a small town where it was devastated by late capitalism and you know um, GM left and uh you know uh, all the steel mills left uh, the Warren and Youngstown area and Um, just decimated the population basically, you know what I mean? And then it was gas stations and circle K's and uh, giant Eagles and McDonald's to work at. And then people who had high skill trade jobs before all of a sudden were forced into menial alienating and um, grueling labor that is not rewarding or capable of upward mobility or, really getting outside of, uh, the poverty, uh, range. So it's, it's really destroyed, you know, any town USA in in a big way. I mean, in Ohio is a really good metric for that. It's almost, you know, like the frogs and to the environmental, uh, you know, uh, catastrophe, they're a good signifier of what's happening. You know, what's happening to the frogs is going to be a, a warning. What's going to be happening to us, you know, soon. So, um, I think there's a lot of warnings happening. And one of the main ones is that this system and society that we have uh, going on right now is continually alienating and pushing toxic traits onto everyone, essentially, but um, especially onto uh, white males at this time. And that is causing a serious... Uh, so, serious situation you know what i mean and that's manifesting as mass shootings and bullying and uh all the rise of fascism and alt-right you know it's a it's a clear metric for what's oh yeah. happening
0: there's definitely a feeling that the the alt-right is taking advantage of the alienation of white men and like I will say that the it did like it the video struck me a cor- struck a chord of me. Um, the video is largely about um, edge lords specifically, and like the thing is is that like I don't so I don't really think of myself as an edge lord. Although many people have told me they find my humor uh, that I do as a comedian quite quite edgy. Um, but um, but the thing is is that I definitely remember being a semi alienated white teenager um Mm -hmm. although mine manifested kind of differently because i was i was raised by by hippies and uh so it was very much in a different cultural context but like when i was a teenager for some reason like i definitely and like a thing i've noticed is like i i see a lot of grown adults uh like the internet and whatnot like saying stuff that i thought when i was 15 and like my major thought is, Jesus, dude, how have you not grown out of that?
1: Right. Well, you know, that what's a a good answer to that is probably the environment and peer group that he had or, uh, you know, didn't have essentially, you know, and I, I know that some of the things I was saying and thinking in my early, you know, um, 20s and and late teen 18 years you know was not great and was toxic and uh you know it was really because I had some you know people who are around me that wanted to go to college and, and like checked me on that shit and like really tried to like make me grow that I did grow and I see people who you know are were just like me but then didn't have you know you know as a specific peer group that was kind of always trying to better themselves. You know, we were all martial artists, so in inside the pursuit of trying to be a, a martial artist is trying to better yourself continually and in multiple ways. So, like, uh, I was open to it, and they were um felt confident to say it, and like that dynamic is really hard to kind of create, and most people don't have that dynamic. so their peer group is really reinforcing or enabling most of what they're feeling or thinking. And then that creates the bubbles we see in society where people can't even empathize with another, uh, you know, social group because they, uh, you know, have so isolated themselves within their own. And so I think that that's where some empathy comes into play. But, you know, like my empathy will only go so far when it comes to serious like fascism and like, you know, white supremacy and things like this. But understanding where these people are being pulled from and groomed from uh, is really important because traditionally in fascism and in conservatism, the failings of capitalism are often blamed on the minorities and the, you know, outliers of society, outliers of society, you know, and so uh, understanding that dynamic and then seeing how these isolated, alienated, bullied individuals were then, pulled in through you know pickup artists and Mm -hmm. you know uh incel mentalities and uh you know really just like the patriarchal like 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 no shame patriarchy where they say the woman's place is in the kitchen and to bear children and then that's what they are they're just a womb and all all of that mentality gets pushed on them through this really toxic situation Mm -hmm. there's a really great channel on youtube highly recommended to everybody it's called innuendo's innuendo studios and they do an okay. incredible breakdown of the alt-right and its playbook it's called Alt Right playbook and it's a very long series and um they go through the grooming that happens and it's an abusive re- relationship uh of gaslighting and manipulation that the uh individual incel <sighs> will go through to become part of the incel community they all attack each other. They all uh, berate each other's looks, their their lack of you know masculinity, and and then they get angry and they leave the group. But then because nobody else in their society is talking about these things, and that they're now so addicted to that perspective and that they think that's still right, they just don't like being attacked for their personal you know uh, appearance. That they go back to these chat rooms and then the cycle starts again, and then they become more and more radicalized into hate and into you know, edgy humor that, you know, they think in the beginning, you think when you go on 4chan that every single person on there is not really a Nazi. They're just using Nazi terminology because they want to evoke a reaction out of people. But yeah. in reality, a lot of them are targeting people with that. And some people are just doing that edgy humor and they literally can't stand Nazis and they would never do that. But It's really hard to see the force through the trees when it's all anonymous. It's all on 4chan and you can't see anybody's repeated history of what they're actually saying. So you can't see any continuity or anything like that. So it's all just isolating and disconnecting in every single way. You know, when you go to my page or when you talk to me, there's a continuity because we've talked to each other before and you've seen consistency or lack of consistency in whoever you're talking to. And then you can kind of get a, a bead on whether or not they're being genuine because of that consistent interaction with them. You know, um, see, so you've opened
0: a lot of cans of worms here. Uh, so i I want to I want to take a couple steps back here before we because sure. like you're 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 hitting the you're like you're really you're painting the you're painting the picture real well here. Um, but I just want to take a couple side notes here. First of all, I will say that I do think that studying martial arts is something that I recommend. It's on my list of things that I re- would recommend to people, especially if people are feeling lost or alienated. Um, get yourself a good a good martial arts teacher. You gotta be careful. You
1: gotta be really there's careful. There's some
0: toxic motherfuckers out there.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> teaching martial arts, so you gotta be careful. But like, look around, see if you can find a good a good school that fits you and uh, doesn't feel like there's a lot of like excessive macho male posturing, because that's that's really not what <clears throat> that's really not what martial arts are meant to be like. Um. Uh, it, I'm sorry if your Taekwondo teacher told you it was, uh, de- <laughs> uh, like, uh, uh, I know I, I kid, but, uh, it's, it's technically entirely anecdotal, but in my experience, every like really weird toxic martial artist I've met has, has been a Taekwondo person. I like, I, I don't make...
1: true, but I think, I think there's a big difference. I, I would like to qualify that with just say American Taekwondo. And that's fair. That's leave fair.
0: <laughs> that's fair yes all of these people were definitely white americans i didn't <laughs> um that's fair um and also i'm not talking about like people who got like oh i got my up to my my green belt in taekwondo either and then like dropped out i mean like the like hardcore like taekwondo uh but so like so like watch out but definitely study martial arts martial arts are about balance and understanding They'll help you understand your body. They'll help you understand, like, the context of of what violence really is. Um, there's there's a lot of benefits to be gained from learning martial arts. Um, so definitely, if you're an alienated uh, person of any gender or race listening to this, I definitely recommend martial arts. I got to make a full list of these things because it's definitely on the list.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah I would agree you? with that. I would also agree with – or I would also say that uh, – uh, therapy. Every single human oh, should be yeah. in therapy and doing self-development uh, in an honest and open way that, it, with peers uh, and with professionals, so that it's uh, not just an isolated thing in your mind where you think you're doing good uh, or you think you're doing the right things. No, you, you need you need people around you that actually know and can guide you. Uh, no matter how developed you think you are, and I think that's really important to continually remind yourself that it's okay to seek help and uh, advice.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Therapy and martial arts.
1: Yeah, there, it's a good there's, coupling. There's,
0: there's, there's two things you should be doing. Although both of those things, it's important. Sometimes you got to shop around. That I Not to use a terrible capitalist concept, but you got to find a therapist who's right for you and you got to find a dojo that's right for you. That's... It's
1: very true. i through a lot of both, a bad both and a lot of good both, so.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's very important. Um, and, I'll, oh, I wanted to also clarify, like, what I, as, like, just, like, an example of something that, like, my, my edgy 15-year-old brain, like, was picking up on that I now I go on the internet and I'm like, oh, so your mind hasn't gotten past that thought yet. <laughs> um, like, the best example I can think of is that when I was... When I was at a certain age, I was like, you ever notice how there's no parades for for white men? And like and like the thing is though is that like that thought didn't get to like a problematic point for me. It was more like just something like I noticed semi ironically in society like as a, as an edgy teenager, but like I was also very aware of how homophobic society was. So, like, there wasn't this, I knew how homophobic and racist society was. So, there wasn't this part of me, like, going, oh, white men deserve that parade. It was just more me going, Yeah, you get parades for being a minority. And, like, the thing is, though, is that, like, that's also a thing that's in a vacuum. Like, that thought is in a vacuum. Like, until you have, like, context. Well, gay pride parades exist because they help. To establish the fact that they help people not be afraid in society, they're about yeah. proje- they're about projecting your existence into society and making sure that um, it makes it harder for you to be oppressed by society because it makes society acknowledge you. So that's very important. Um, yeah. And the same thing for any type of um, like a, a, any type of Black Pride thing, like uh, June nineteenth, uh, Juneteenth. Or like um, uh, Martin Luther King Day, all these things, they they exist for very important reasons. And because they help establish those people as part of society when they have been people who are frequently uh, pushed to the margins of society.
1: And that's... Well, I think you make a really good point. And, and, it, and it, it's like, you know, there's a huge difference between white power... And Black Power, you know what I mean? Like, they're, the connotations are one is just like trying to take back their own individual strength and pride and power, and the other one wants to dominate and kill everyone else that doesn't look like them. There is completely different meanings to that. But yeah. uh and like, you know, I, I I understand what you were saying about like that whole concept. I, I I definitely had kind of similar thoughts not about a parade per se, but about something like that. You know what I mean? Like um, even like be like I, I think i even said it like when i was like really young i was like because there's a black there's bet right there's no wet <laughs> wet you know what i mean and then and then white and my friend, entertainment tv like, and then my friend was like yeah that's every other channel and i was like oh that's a really good point okay cool oh, yeah, i get it i get it now you know what i mean because and that is
0: like that is the thing though is that like yeah. people don't understand is that for a long time, white people have dominated the mainstream culture. Right. So mainstream culture, for the longest period of time, has been influenced by uh, white thought. And the truth of the matter is that when you are like in this default position, you don't self-identify yourself. Right. Because you don't have the self-identifier in your mind, because no one's told you to have it. Right. And so white people like can't see the forest through the trees. Of of culture, and they don't like all our holiday. Most of our holidays are for are for white men. Most of our parades are for white men, and we just don't like point out. Be like, yeah, this is a white man parade.
1: It's like like, we're so we're we're very you know. It's like the conservatives are trying to conserve that hegemonic power. They are trying to conserve the white dominant white Christian dominance. You know what I mean? And like they're very blatant about it but a lot of them don't use that specific terminology, but some of them very much so do, you know what I mean? So it's like, and then they don't mind aligning themselves with each other or rubbing elbows with each other or making sure that they fund each other. Like all that's very clear. You know what I mean? Once you get out of that hegemonic, like, you know, programming, where it's just like, this is the, this is the bias of my culture. You know, it's like, oh, well, you know, like, you know, America's the best country and like, we're the, where are the, the, the best, you know what I mean? And like that whole, like I remember thinking that when I was a kid, you know what I mean? And then like, there was a point where it's like, well, wait a minute. Imagine I walked into a school and was just like, I'm the best. And it was just like, how would that make every other country and every other person feel? You know what I mean? And it's like extremely, it's just arrogant. And it's exactly, you're, you know, you're, uh,
0: you're setting the, the, yourself up in a way. <laughs> Uh, You're setting yourself up for other people to be like, that guy's a dick. But, like, the weird thing is is that, like, the American justification for it is, well, I'm not being a dick if it's true. It's like, that's, like, it's it's just like, no. Like, first of all, people have very loose understanding of things that are true. And, like, It's like, it's like what, uh, Socrates says. Um, there's, uh, knowing you don't know anything, not knowing you don't know anything, and, uh, knowing you don't know anything. Uh, so, like, the true, the true, the true knowledge is knowing that you don't know everything. Um, and if you, if you think you know everything, you're just setting yourself up to be in a position where you can't learn. Um, and we've become, we've. and like the thing about learning is that learning is simultaneously the thing that makes humans as powerful as we are but we're also afraid of it yes because
1: because, oh go ahead i'm sorry
0: because we associate learning with we associate learning with brainwashing and that's fair on a certain level because learning and brainwashing run off the same mechanisms in your mind like but the truth is, is that brainwashing is just when people are teaching you things to influence your behavior. And some learning is meant to influence your behavior. Like, we, we, don't, we seem to have lost sight of the fact that in society, like a certain amount of learning, like you have to learn some type of level of morality. Like morality is something that is taught. We, like people believe that morality is somehow inherent And the fact of the matter is is that like even no matter what side of the argument you're on here like if you believe that morality is inherent that would be implying well if morality was inherent a morals wouldn't change and they do like over history people get better understandings of how to treat each other but also if morality was inherent god wouldn't have had to write it down if you like, if if that's where you believe morality comes from, then it can't be inherent because God had to write it down for you.
1: It, 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 you know, I just watched the George Carlin uh, documentary that they just produced on HBO Max. Oh, yeah, uh, I, John Napatau did it. Did you I, see it?
0: I have not, but my dad's been like, you need to watch this.
1: It was so good. And especially the last, like, 10 minutes of it because the editing, they really, they throw everything that's happening now over his words and, and in a, in a very good way. And it was just like, Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, and one of the things he said was um uh basically about what you were just saying. Um and now it's gone. Um what were you just saying?
0: Um shit. Uh, I was talking about uh oh no, it's been replaced by thoughts of George Carlin. Uh I know. <laughs> um but before we try talking- it. Essentially, what were we talking about? Okay, um, forest through the trees. Um, this is why I need a sidekick someone to sit in the side and be like, That's You guys were so talking about this, yeah.
1: um, uh, right? Uh, well, we were talking about okay, it definitely was something that George Carlin was saying, which was basically that society and um. My okay.
0: brainwashing and education are technically things that are connected. And we need okay. and like okay. to a certain extent, you do have to teach morality because uh, it's not inherent. That's right. What,
1: got it. I know what you were saying now. Okay, great. So it's like, so if God gave, he was basically saying that God gave us all a list of rules, but he gave, he gave the, the Christians or he gave the Americans um, 13 in the bill of rights And then he gave the like the Germans twenty nine and he gave the Swiss six. And he's like, he's like, what other reason would it be that God would give everybody a different number other than just it was written by people who were trying to control another group of people, you know, and then like and then one of the things he said was, uh, you know, and it must not have been divine because we've had to change it. Seventeen times, including you know slavery. You know God just forgot about slavery. You know when he did, when he wrote you know the Bill of Rights. You know what I mean? Basically, you know. Uh, and anyway, that's that's what I was going to say. Because it was very well put by him, and then stumbled completely and forgot then by me.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, good to know.
1: <laughs> but right? yeah,
0: no. Uh, George Carlin has, George Carlin is such an interesting an interesting person. Um, he's. He cut like the thing is is that George Carlin's one of those people where like we're at a point in history where like both sides would reach to George Carlin to justify what they're ta- their shit. And so that that's a fun thing about nowadays. Um and it, it is true, George Carlin did make fun of liberals like uh a lot. Um but George so Carlin well. Uh but George Carlin also like in like in-person interviews would talk about how like he's not really about he's not really into making fun of the underdogs like he said he says yeah um there's a great interview it's with larry king and they're talking about andrew dice clay and basically george karen's like it's like i would defend george i would defer defend uh andrew dice clay's right to say whatever he wants but i do think that maybe he should think about the fact that the, these these groups of people he likes to make fun of um, are the underdogs, um, it, are people I see like as underdogs in our society, um, and he's just talking about women and minorities and, and homosexuals, and he's like it's like I don't like I don't think there's any reason to attack these people, and and, and I'm once again I am paraphrasing him terribly here myself, but um, sure. it's a great clip uh, to look up. But like the truth is, is that he did make fun of like all the all the the liberal stuff too, and like uh, he even made fun of uh, PC culture and whatnot. Although I will say that some of his material, I do think, has caused um, some of his material causes. Uh, not everything he says is accurate, because uh, you know he did a lot of cocaine.
1: Uh, well, right, right. But what I think is important though is like that his tactic was always to be the absolute darkest. Reflection of what's in all of us to show you exactly what the fuck not to do. But then, when then he would go on a rant all of a sudden and say that every human deserves shelter for free, food for free, healthcare for free, and he would literally list off all these absolutely ideals. And and I think he was constantly criticizing the liberals from the left and his his everything in his in his life's history and all of the accounts from outside of his comedy outside of his comedy the 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 person he was and the person and what he did and what he tried to do was i think more leftist and clearly leftist and especially the editing in this judd apatow george carlin thing at the end like literally the last 15 minutes is just him talking about fascism and it just showing clips of donald trump and all the stuff going on right now and it was literally verbatim perfectly happening and they were basically saying like look Nobody, No other comedian continually keeps coming up as being relevant 20 years, 30 years later than George Carlin. Nobody's sharing a Seinfeld bit from 1992 uh, that's not relevant anymore because it was topical and nothing to do with the actual function of human minds. Mm -hmm. Anyway, anyway, a lot on George Carlin. But still, uh, I I think that he does get uh, appropriated by a lot of different groups. Oh yeah, and I'm I'm uh, going to be sitting here and be like, and, and and the communists love to have him. You know, I'm not going to be like just like immediately say I, that like yes, but I think you know.
0: some of the confusion is is that like a lot of his humor and rhetoric comes from like a very like it. I would say that George Carlin is a big picture person and not a little picture person because if you look at like the things he's saying about like everyday people in everyday life it comes across as like very anti-empathetic but then when he says exactly like you're talking about how like when he's talking about people's needs as like the bigger picture um the image he's portraying is a very empathetic one and like he makes lots of jokes that like we would say like seem very edgy or lacking in empathy like um, like like his baby on board uh, bumper stickers uh, bid about like why shouldn't I have to drive safer because you've got a because you've got a kid in your car or whatnot um, which is which is which is a very like dark and edgy joke about people uh, deserving to have their cars go off the road for being so self involved um, of course it's all a joke and that's not even why baby on board stickers exist but you know like edge lords are gonna hit. Getting back to the Edgelords thing, like the problem is, is that Edgelords lords take away the non empathy uh, from things and will t- and don't understand the don't understand satire or the purpose right. of satire or irony for that matter. Like um like that's sort of that's like like it's talking about in that video you sent me, um a great example is Fight Club um a lot of people don't understand like a lot of like edgelords don't get uh fight club and you know what i will admit when i was when i was a teenager uh when i was like 17 to like 19 or whatnot um i i thought i was down with fight club like it really like certain elements of it really resonated with me and like at, and like back then like my statement even like what someone would say like and then, like the whole point is, revolution doesn't work. And I was like, well, "What are you talking about? They blew up the credit card companies. They won." And but, like, but like the thing is, is that like um, most of what Tyler Durden's doing is really a is is more of an appeal to primalism, and primalism isn't necessarily um, a productive. Uh, is not necessarily a tradu- uh, productive takeaway for for human beings to function in a modern society.
1: Yeah, it's pretty funny that Chuck Palahniuk, you know, the writer of Fight Club, has been very vocal ever since the alt-right tried to take on Tyler Durden. And he's like, this was a warning, you idiots. Like, no, like, you know what I mean? Like, he was very clear about it, you know, which yeah. I, I appreciate. I appreciate when there's no subtlety. It's like, no, that's not what it's about you know what I mean? Like when the creators of the matrix were like, stop saying red pill as if it means to go to the right. Like, yeah. You know, he's like, they were, they were saying that uh, this is actually a trans story. You know what I mean? And it always was, you know what I mean? And like, that's yeah. that's really I, interesting, you know? Um, yeah, no, I,
0: I, I think the reason people reject the, uh, the, the matrix sequels is because the purpose of the matrix was to deconstruct uh, binary thinking and morality Um, and a lot of people bought heavily into the binary thinking and morality that's presented to us in the first movie. And so as the movies come out and like they start to deconstruct the, the black and whiteness of the moral conflict at the root of the story, um, that I think that lost people.
1: I agree with you. And and I, I actually just watched a really good video essay a couple weeks ago about, um, the about harry potter actually and how it's really toxic like i, I mean like of course there's actually a, a clear toxic toxicity in it but there's also subtle toxicity in it about where you know like and a- actions aren't bad people are bad right and there yeah. are clear okay so like if harry does an action it's totally fine but if malfoy does the same action it's bad because he's the bad guy so and oh. it's like there's these very like oh uh, like you're on team Slytherin you're bad you're on team Gryffindor you're good and like that's that's it so if a Gryffindor does it it's fine if if Dumbledore does it it's fine if say like in the first book and first movie uh, Hagrid decides that he's going to literally maim and torture a Muggle because he doesn't like him and he's got power and wants to like literally disfigure him and leave it on him to where they had to go get a surgeon to take it off you know the the the, the pigtail off of dudley you know oh that was, he later he in later movies that would have been like you go to fucking azkaban for that you know what i mean but it's funny and everyone's laughing about it because we don't like the jerseys because they're the bad people so the, and it's a really really great essay about there's no good uh actions or bad actions in harry potter there are just good and bad people which really does not Show uh, a, a very, the real nuance of the world, you know.
0: Oh God, that's a very like. Wait, ha, has has is is J.K. Rowling secretly a Christian nationalist?
1: She basically, it, she basically, she basically. I mean, she's a turf, you know, for sure. Yeah,
0: yeah you she's know definitely I mean? turf. But like, what you're describing to me sounds like the type of morality practiced in like. Uh, have you ever seen the documentary "The Family"? Or or read the book. Um, it's all no. about okay. So, so there's a secret society in Washington that's uh, basically um, Christian identitarian, um, and they're they're loosely they don't have a real name, but they're loosely referred to as the Family, um, and they they were fa- um, they were sort of like they were found a long time ago, and this one guy sort of like shaped their overall theology but they believe in something that's called it's called like the i forget its actual name but it's like the theology of david or something of or king david um morality or something but basically they really harp on the concept that when king david did something it wasn't bad because he was chosen right so like if someone is chosen by god it doesn't matter what they do like they can like they're like they they can have sex with kids they can kill other people's they can cheat on people's wives um whatever that's that's what they they basically believe like and in the documentary there's this part where like one of the guys in their group finds out that um a senator uh is having sex with his wife like his wife is having an affair with this senator and, like, that's actually what got him to, like, leave the group because, like, they basically were, like, um, they, like, talked to the senator to knock it off. The senator and the wife continued to have an affair. And they came to this and and basically this guy, like, was going to go to the, the, the hotel and, like, confront the senator. And the group was, like, no. No, you can't do that. And it's, like, he's, like, but this is wrong. And he's, like, No. It's it's okay, the senator's too important. You can't you can't you can't interfere in this. And they and they basically like so, they they wouldn't let him basically make it go public, mm-hmm. um, what his wife and the senator were doing. And uh, it's a, it's an interesting documentary. It's on Netflix if you if you have Netflix. But they they I run. i I'll have to check it out. They're connected to something called the National Prayer Breakfast, and the National Prayer Breakfast um is international it it occurs in numerous countries um including many countries that have suddenly had an upswing in like right-wing politics like russia and like uh the ukraine too actually (laughs) um and uh i think they have one in poland uh i and uganda and um i think brazil they're all they're all over the place and they're basically just um lobbyist meetings like the idea is it's a prayer breakfast to get politicians in rooms of lobbyists at an event that is not considered a lobbying event so that's essentially what it's for and every american president has gone to
1: these um as well yeah i'm gonna i want to i want to run for a public office on the on the thing called defund politicians
0: <laughs> it's not a bad idea
1: uh, No, but i was i was gonna say one thing though that jk rowling is for sure that i mean she is a white british boomer you know what i mean literally and uh it's really all you need to just know i guess but Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to go back and touch back on learning though for a minute. I wanted to talk okay. about learning and, and uh, what I think prevents white men and other people from learning more so than a fear of brainwashing, because I, I kind of put a feather in my hat on that one when you said that, cause I wanted to discuss it,
0: Okay, but,
1: um, but we went to a lot of different topics. So I went, but I wanted to circle back. Totally so like I think that, in our society and also in the world, there is a phenomena that happens to us socially, uh, psychologically, and that is, there is a fear of failure, right? And that fear of failure comes from a fear of being labeled socially as that failure because of how much that happens and how regularly that happens. And in fact, we need to change the, Dynamics of how we perceive fear and uh, failure, I should say, uh, because failure is so important. Failure is one of the most important things, but we are afraid of it. And it's actually ostracized and demonized, but it's literally how growth happens. So, growth, the, the literal pathway for growth, is demonized and ostracized and counterculture. And that is why so little growth happens outside of serious, uh, you know, isolation or serious you know like uh support from a a, a very unique support system you know what i mean mm-hmm. that has those kind of mentalities and I- ideals active within themselves that they're implementing every day and so you know like I, I said before you know uh if you were at a baseball game and there's you know 100,000 people there or 50,000, however many people fit in a, in a stadium, you know, hundreds of thousands or, t- or tens of thousands, I should say. Uh, and you trip on a step that's broken or, or damaged or whatever, and you fall. You just taught more people and once than a teacher gets to teach in their like whole lifetime, most of the time, you know? And you did that. And instead of laughing at you, They should have empathy and go like, oh, look, he just showed us a dangerous step in the road that we should be careful of. Thank you so much. Are you okay? Thank you so much for also for showing me that. But like, are you okay? You know, and like imagine that world. Imagine that world for just a minute.
0: So that world actually is interesting because a thing I had heard about some study and who knows where I heard about it, because, you know, your brain turns to mush as it's filled with facts. No, uh, but uh essentially indicated that people who laugh at other people's mistakes are less likely to learn from that person's mistakes. So basically the the when you feel shot in Freude, it's your brain not learning from other people's mistakes. Because if your first response is to go, Ha! They fell! It's not, oh, I better be careful on those steps. So, like, people who have an empathetic response are going to go, oh, the steps are slippery. Better be careful myself. Hope that guy's okay. I wouldn't want that to happen to me. But if you experience, like, the schadenfreude... Hold on one second. All right, sorry for the interruption, listeners, uh, but uh, I have totally, de- that did totally derail my train of thought, but that's okay, because we're still here today uh, talking about uh, the alienation uh, that's apparently going, the, the problem with alienation in our society and uh, disaffected white males, they're a problem for themselves, yeah. mostly.
1: But also that the um, the same things that they're feeling that uh, other people have been feeling also it's just that they're not responding in the same way, which is very interesting also but going back a little bit to growth and failure and uh, identity, if you will um, I think that the the biggest issue that we have is an indoctrination to a specific perception and uh role dynamics and a set of norms the social norms yeah. of what is normal what is appropriate what is the meaning of life the goal of life the uh, what is a good person what is a bad person you know yeah. that whole uh really uh n- framework in which it's you know, that the, a lot of people in the, in the country, in the world view through, you know, so, uh, how we psychologically, how we identify ourselves is really complicated, but it's based off of a series of essentially events that occur and then a, a lack of nurturing or, uh, or an abundance or a gradient really of nurturing in between and the ability for the people who are nurturing us to understand what is actually happening and give us coping mechanisms that are effective and, and healthy for us, or, we are just dealt with, with reactionary um, behaviors that then we mimic and don't understand why we're doing, uh, which is a disconnect and further alienation from ourselves and our society. So this identity starts to build uh, in us and depending on the environment and um, you know nurturing or lack thereof, it will create a whole wide variety of different mental health issues. And I think that's, you know, kind of important to to kind of break the spell up for a moment is that like there is no person in this world that I can point to and say that that is a perfectly healthy person that that is the person that is perfectly mentally healthy perfectly physically healthy or perfectly socially you know appropriate or you know like always did the right thing or does the right thing and I think that 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 harsh non nuanced approach to looking at people and ourselves is causing further alienation. So like we have the alienation that's present in capitalism already, which has been documented for literally two or 300 years in, uh, you know, ec- by economists and like, you know, social, uh, uh, you know, um, a- analyzers and socialists and uh, I'm mean, sorry, um, sociologists and psychologists and uh, also socialists because of their, you know a material analysis but uh, still um what, what I'm saying is that this alienation from capitalism is then perpetuated by our alienation from our own psychology and our and own and having our own time to explore our own mind because we're always in the grind and uh then that's generationally passed down through trauma uh it's from parent to parent uh from parent to grandparent you know what I mean it's just like it, it, it like through generations it goes and we need to stop that train in its tracks as much as possible. But the real issue is that the identity creates a wall and a protection away from growth and that you have to literally fight the person to get them to fight themselves. And they won't ever do that. And that psychologically, that's not how the world works. So that means that the person has to be open and ready and wanting change for themselves that they have to change and do that self-development that we were discussing in the beginning of the show you know you know like the 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 pursuits through therapy the pursuits through martial arts or yoga or whatever whatever self-development tool you want to use you know it doesn't matter um but um just don't do religion no i'm just joking but um uh that um
0: i mean religion is just like everything else you gotta shop around if that's what you're doing.
1: Yeah, well, here's here's my thing. And this is a controversial take that I actually have not really posted about yet because I think okay. it it will sound harsh, but I'm going to say it anyway in this most public forum because I think it'll be fine. But anyway, okay. I think that there is I think that spirituality and religion is uh a response to not having access to healthcare and mental health. So it's like you can either go to therapy and really try to understand your material conditions and all of like the causality of your life. Or you can just believe that the Satan or whatever it is outside of your actual material conditions that literally led up to all of your traumas and all the things that have occurred in your lifetime that you can see and, and recall through therapy is not actually recallable or, or ther- uh, have the ability to therapize, therapize, I don't know, go through therapy with, you know, and instead you, you, go into belief you go you turn off the inquisitive nature of you know like self-development and you and growth and you dive into belief, which is the death of growth, which is the stopping of growth, which is saying that like God is has a path for me or wh- whatever religion is saying, you know what I mean as a response to you know your material conditions, you know what I mean oh you, you have negative energy from the mercury or whatever it is, you know what I'm saying uh i'm sorry there's no material like analysis that shows that that is true but there is a material analysis that shows that like hey capitalism is continually destroying you and that like there are cycles that we all go through mentally and like maybe if you attach that to your own personal trauma and your own personal behavior and not an exterior exterior force you might see the actual pattern and the force for the trees and be able to grow out of that but again that is a very controversial take i think that you know saying that spirituality and religion are really the wrong course for you because it's a uh it's a choice of basically hiding from the real work that needs to be done which is a therapy and you know uh self-development but a lot of identities are going to feel attacked by that because they've incorporated into their identity
0: I mean yeah uh that is a good point uh, so I will so like I will say before i get, so I do want to bring in like a thing I saw recently, but I will say like at this moment, I'll just take a brief moment to say that like uh 'cause I haven't said this publicly, but like i uh I don't know i i I am not anti spirituality or or religion, really, I will say that I do think that people misunderstand like their relationship to religion and um, religion's relationship to society frequently Um, I do think that religion should be kept as a personal level thing I don't think it should influence policy on any level that's uh, problematic for any society that's going to exist with multiple religions in it um Secularism, I think, actually protects uh people's religious beliefs, um, not the other way around. Um, religion is also um the practical fact of the matter is the religion itself is just another form of government that uh is rightfully restricted in a free society to something that interacts with you on a personal level. Um But that's a whole other conversation about what I consider government to be. Um, but i do believe that there's something about human beings that are drawn to some level of spirituality um this is some this is sort of like where the i don't like either of these people but like this is where the dis, uh, they're a good example of a philosophical disconnect on this is which is um this is where anton levey and uh, Ayn rand like would s- split uh would like s- go away from each other in terms of what they believed in, which was that he essentially, he essentially believed in what she believed in, uh, except that he felt like spirituality and ritual was an inherent part of human beings. And that like, there was something in us that needed a sense of like ritual. So he created a made up religion for atheists um, so that they could still maintain some level of, uh, ritual and to their to their lack of belief um and and well i disagree with him on a lot of things because he was uh was a pathological liar and uh and probably uh and probably a little racist um just based on like the fact that he he cited ragnar redbeard as one of his like uh (laughs) influences on his writing um but uh but i kind of think that there is something in human beings that uh and maybe not all human beings maybe it's something that like gets passed around genetically and we just haven't figured it out yet but i do think that there is some thing in people that it does draw them to that and i will say that there are some people who like I think, need religion. Like, sometimes you meet people where it's like, well, you are just, like, like. thank God there's a religion to keep Dennis Prager from raping people. Because Dennis, Dennis Prager has said numerous times if there wasn't a religion, yeah, people would be out there raping. Which means that clearly if there wasn't a religion, Dennis Prager would be out there raping people.
1: Right, well, he's a very uh, interesting character in <laughs> a lot of ways, but, but uh, well, l- let me let me say- I don't need religion to tell me more more not trouble. to rape let people. Let me get into more he trouble does. by revealing- Oh, wait, I'm sorry, what'd you say?
0: I said, I don't need religion to tell me not to rape people, but apparently right. he does.
1: Right, well, let me get myself into more trouble by exposing more of my controversial thoughts in response to what she said um so here's my thing uh i i have no problem with ritual i i don't think there's any problem with it there's a lot of rituals that i think we all do that are really healthy like brushing my teeth you know what i mean like it's a good ritual uh, you know what i mean like and it becomes a ritual becomes a habit you know what i mean like even with my son you know what i mean when we brush his teeth we all we sing up a, a, a brush your teeth song you know what i mean and, and and you know it helps with how long he does it for you know what i mean which is important you know what i mean but it also uh he makes it part of the family and makes it so that you know he knows this is what we all do and that this is normal. This is we're normalizing, you know, uh brushing your teeth, right? So I think that's uh really part of a crucial part of human programming and, and human bonding and human um social life, which is really what our number one uh like trait is really is social bonding and social uh co- cohesion because th- that's the reason we able to make it out of really the cycle of nature in a lot of ways and you what i mean by that is you know we don't have to be in the same hunter-gatherer situations or, or not even hunter-gatherer but it's just like you know like constantly live off of what we've killed that day and you know what i mean kind of just be in that cycle of nature that way we're outside of it in a lot of ways and um uh, that's we got there because of our cooperation. Because we don't have the strongest legs and the strongest arms and we, the strongest claws and you know, teeth. We're not the fastest runners, the best swimmers. We are the best talkers and thinkers. Uh, yeah, apparently,
0: we got good lungs,
1: and we got good lungs, right? So, um, w- what I think is important to, in that is understanding that cooperation is at the core of our strength and 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 society and like social like togetherness is at the core of our uh, our like strength but also of our being you know and uh if you want to talk about evolution you know we evolved to for those traits you know what i mean or mm-hmm. and not necessarily four but to have those traits i don't want to say four as it makes it sound like it was intentional or or, or meaning uh, like is behind it and i don't i don't believe that but anyway um so this this trait of wanting to have a social cohesion so that means we all share the same mental image of what's you know what, who we are how the society sees us and how we see ourselves and when you look at uh gatherer tribes that exist today and the aborigines their sense of self is so much more secure they don't have the same issues socially that we do they don't have you know um uh like depression in the same ways they don't have you know like uh uh, identity crisis and suicide, and they don't even, in, in a lot of situations they'll have murder and rape and serial killers and like all these other psychological traits that are coming from this alienation from having uh, disconnect from our society. So uh, one could argue that our societies are too large, but I don't think that's true. I think it's just how they're organized is the issue, and how we focus and on the individual. In, a, in the way we do and not saying we shouldn't have individualistic ideal uh, ideals involved but understanding the relationship of the individual to the community is super important and and you know like the evolution of like you know and caps and you know like hardcore right libertarians shows like the end result of that mentality and it's ignorant and uh completely uh, without foresight of how the system will continue to function, or how it could function, or there's no actual system at all, and how it wouldn't work, and how warlords would evolve, and like all these yeah. like power structures. Yeah, like, so many- like,
0: how would you possibly transition into an ant capitalism?
1: Because you like can. you'd
0: have like because there'd because ha- even with an capitalism, there'd have to be like a redistribution phase. There'd have to be a phase where you like leveled it out. Otherwise, the people who already had stuff would just immediately have the most power as soon as you transition to it.
1: They are simping. But to see but that's the thing is the ANCAPs caps are simping for them because they're thinking I will be them. So I don't want to attack them because it, when I'm them, I won't want people to try to take away what I want to make. So, like, that's the thing is, it's just completely it, it, irrational and a logical structure that they're it's circular logic to the to the nth degree, you know, but. But stepping away back from that for just a second, you know what I mean? But that that individualistic mentality is what leads to that end end game, you know what I mean? So having individualism involved in the system is really important, but also having community involved is really important. So having a synthesis of the two in the most healthy dynamic way possible without infringing on anybody is very difficult as it would seem. So, you know, uh, that though is at the core of our need to socially gather and then that need to socially gather was corrupted and used by the powerful in many ways including religion including uh you know other forms of spirituality that didn't solidify into an organized religion but was still a a word of mouth organized like uh hegemony that was created that was then just the normal you know what i mean this is the normal world we live in and so my thing is 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 not the organizations or the uh like you know like wondering about the world you know what i mean or about what could be also inside or outside or whatever you want to call it the world you know the thing is is that we are we have shown for 200 years that there is a way to think that produces something that is repeatable and uh and, and um uh provable you know what i mean to a to a big degree you know what i mean and that methodology uh is what continually shows us the the more uh more and more a truly um uh what's the word i'm looking for um unbiased perspective on what is happening. You know what I mean? And the the more we go into the other direction is the more we're into a biased perspective. And it does not produce anything rational about our world. It does not tell us how plant life happens or how how to plant things or how those that that works how our body works how to heal our body it does in fact it always produces the wrong answer like bloodletting or leeches or you know like sage or like you know even though sage can kill bacteria in the air which is really cool we don't call them demons anymore we call them bacteria and we understand that because of science you know what i mean so like i think that's really interesting that they understood that though you know what i mean i think there's a really interesting dynamic that happens you know
0: what's interesting is that what's interesting is that through history, we can see, um, that essentially like anyone who gains a certain level of power will have at least an interest in science for their own self-promotion. And there, there actually are numerous points in history where the church was essentially the source of all science. Um, which is interesting, but that is also worth noting. Though is that at those points churches were very different than they are now, because at those points churches were essentially the state.
1: Yeah, exactly, and that, that's what we were rebelling against in the our in our Revolutionary War. Which is so funny that two hundred years later we're trying to create a theocracy now on the conservative side. But if you're really trying to conserve what this nation was about, it was against the church having control. And like that's what they were fighting against, now. and like the church and the crown were one and the same. You know, I mean Indian by that,
0: I mean basically. Although by that point, essentially there was this, and by that point, monarchy had kind of become the state, and like religion was more like an arm of the state,
1: right? Um, but mon— but the monarchs were godly appointed. You know yeah, what I mean? So well, it's I mean, a that's, a deeply, that's deeply how they justified them. it. Well, right, but that's that's what I'm saying. Well, right, they weren't, but I'm saying that that's what the but, the propaganda was, but that's what I'm saying. is It's deeply entrenched in still godliness and religion and, like, you know, enforced by that, you know?
0: Which is why it's the same shit with this, uh... Which is why it's the same shit as this like, invisible hand-of-the-market crap. Because, like, essentially, it's literally... It's all just an argument for, like, oh, well, obviously they should be in charge because they already own all this stuff.
1: Right. Well, they're trying. I mean, Google and Amazon are trying to buy up towns and and literally oh, own yeah. everything. It's going to be like the coal well, corporations, towns. corporations it, you know, it,
0: bought up towns for years. Like Monsanto has a town.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I, absolutely. But I mean, like the, Google wants to only populate it with its workers. You know what I mean? And and then they'll own the, all the houses. They'll own the general storage. It's, it's like the, uh, the coal miner towns in West yeah. Virginia. that They rebelled against, you know, the original rednecks
0: corporations uh, or governments yeah
1: well, like the, that's
0: the thing like, like a, a, a totalitarian future like if you really want to lay that out to someone what that would look like is it's like oh well you know how like when you go to your job and, every, and like they control everything you do there and you have to always play by the job's rules well it would look like that except it keeps going when you go home right and like that's it, it's it's so weird to me that people who are so anti-state are so quick to like buy into corporations, and
1: like inconsistently too. Like they well, that's because it's not a, a cohesive uh, like uh, worldview. It, it's talking points and rhetoric that oh, has been programmed into them, and, and it's not actually like a system on paper that they can see continually functioning. And and like you know like how it, how there's like it's working. It's an, it's a, it's a self-sustaining model. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not self. that's why it has to be bailed out all the time, all the time from every direction.
0: Like they don't understand that capitalism is just the long war to see who gets to be in charge of things. Like that's, that's really what it is. It's just, it's just a cold trade war. Yeah. It just goes on until somebody owns everything
1: planet starbucks
0: yeah jeff to go Bale. back to fight club jeff is gonna buy the moon uh
1: yeah well let's see what china has to say about that and then let's see what world war three looks like
0: i mean could it be a proxy war on the moon
1: well here's <laughs> that's a space force was, <laughs> space force was a good show i'll say that though but um what i, what I was gonna say though is it like china though China does this thing where instead of raging war against everything, what they're doing is they're they're coming to like, like Afghanistan right now. Right. They're coming to what we left in shambles and they're coming and saying, Hey, you want us to build new roads and new lights and schools and everything like that? We, you know, we'll build it. And all we want is like, you know, 25% back of your, of all of your wealth. You know what I mean? Just 25%. And they're like, you mean you don't want to bomb us or make us not have, you know, uh, sex slaves and stop the child trafficking and all that stuff? And, they, and they're like, no, we don't care about that. Uh, just give us money. You know what I mean? And then they keep doing that. And, and like, so I mean, that's... while we've spent all of our money and like destroyed our middle class and our population on war constantly and sending them off all the time. And China has done the exact opposite. They've mm-hmm. invested in complete education and they're in their in their and they also are totalitarian and terrible. I'm not saying they're good, but what I'm saying is the tactics they're using. So, yeah, I don't think they would actually fight Jeff Bezos for the moon. I think that they would do something tactical like that.
0: No, that's fair. Um, But yeah, I, I literally just heard about this is that um, we're losing ground to China in Iraq um, because. Um, Iraq really got actually a good deal on controlling their own oil fields, which good for them as a country. Um, and so like like US oil companies only get like it's I think it's like a 20% of cut of all the oil that their oil uh, machinery collects. And so like oil companies are not excited to invest in Iraq to get that 20%. But apparently, China doesn't care about making a profit on the on the rate of oil that they get from their machines. So they're going there and building that infrastructure. And this is actually interesting because, like this, infrastructure is the way to go. Infrastructure is where power really comes from. Exactly. That's why we should be worried that Jeff Bezos is buying and building so much of his own um, Amazon could become completely self-contained
1: at a certain point.
0: And well, all like, they-
1: look at Disney in Florida, you know what I mean? They have the, they have Florida by the balls. So they're like, sure, take our taxes and we'll make you all pay a billion dollars. And then they're like, uh, you know, like, I don't, I don't know what to do about that. You know, it's fucking crazy.
0: Yeah. And, uh, it, it is, Yeah. The whole thing, man. Uh, we should be worried about these things. like this is why you have gov- this is why you let government regulate um, infrastructure so that there's no one who has a vested claim on infrastructure so that it is public property.
1: Well I would argue that this is why you do that for just about every single market that has to do with a human need. Mm -hmm. is 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 making a non-for-profit uh nationalized system and not a for-profit privatized system
0: if you really think about it the only the only things that we spend money on that's really ethical are leisure stuff i mean don't be wrong there is like other ethical issues like where does the materials come from to build like leisure stuff but in terms of like That's the only time where your exchange of money is not coercive because it's something that you are paying for that you want to enjoy, not because it's something that you want to do or not not something that you need to survive. And that's a thing about poverty that people in this society don't really seem to understand is that most of the money that poor people spend is through coercion you need a car to get a job to work to pay money on a on a place to live and the poorer you are the more coercion there is in that conversation like you want like we're all told you want a good job so you can get ahead in the economy but if you are poor then you need a job now it's it's not a matter of what do you want to do what would you be good at what would you what would be something that you could excel at it's what are my options that are available to me because that's really what because like this this is the thing like the thing that they're keeping that conservatives distort is the fact that what it really comes down to is that people make choices based on the options that they have and the other part of that is that A lot of people don't even know what all the options they have are so people make their choices based on what those options are and sometimes people don't see all their options and sometimes the options that people have are not good or the options that they are aware of are not good which is why education and things like representation in media are so important for people to understand that they have options and then the, like, like we, we, we're we showing all these crime statistics to try and make us scared of minorities. But, like, the truth of the matter is this. Is that, like, white kids join fewer gangs because a lot of white kids live and go to schools that don't have gangs in them.
1: Right. And not only that. Their options uh, are not different.
0: Some not only of that, their neighborhoods
1: kids, aren't targeted.
0: Yeah, that too. That too. But, like, getting back to the disaffected white dudes, like... Those people who, those white dudes who are going around shooting up, uh, like, like schools and stuff like that, if they were going to a school that had gangs, they might have joined a gang because they're someone who's disaffected. And gangs are also people who prey on the disaffected and pull them into their, into their gang to, like, promise them all the things that they're not getting from society.
1: That, that reminds me, that reminds me, I... I know a person i won't say who and um we don't talk anymore and she once said to me uh it was very blatantly racist uh you know what i mean um that uh basically if you know she was born in africa she'd be the exact same person she was and she would get herself out of there into america you know what i mean and that um you know what i mean (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and that and that and had no concept that the that she just said I am who I am and I would be who I am no matter where I was born and what my situation was around me, and I'm like, that's not how our minds work, you know what I mean, kind of thing, that's you know what I mean, but like that's, that's the she's a highly conservative fascist, basically, she's a fascist, like that's I mean, a person
0: like, with no internal monologue,
1: yeah, that, that's, that's, that, that person yeah, has that's,
0: no introspection,
1: yes, and 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 that person also has basically been the same person she's been and had the same person she's thought since she was 14 or 15 years old which is kind of what you were saying before you know what i mean and the, and the, and so like the thought she had as 15 years old is is solidified now is the same truths about the world you know what i mean and, and uh including not just her identity but the identity of everyone else around her is solidified at that time period you know what i mean whoever and however you were at that time period that's who you are Right. And that's that's something that's really difficult about our society and failure is that we reinforce our own worst fears and thoughts about ourselves to each other through that failure, uh, you know, fear. You know what I mean? Through that the judgment of public failure or failure in front of people. You know, I remember I remember I was in math class. I was in sixth grade, I think I was up at the board. And uh, the problem was three times four. I can literally see it. I can literally see, see the whole room right now. Right. And I was sitting there and I was literally had a brain fart. I was just sitting there like staring. I was not attempting the math. I was just staring. And then I heard a snicker behind me and literally the whole class, including the teacher was laughing at me. And I was like, wait a minute, what? You know what I mean? But to me, I, wasn't like, I wasn't able to do it. And I was just sitting there, like not able to do it. It was that I was like, I had a complete brain fart for a second, but they didn't know that. And I wasn't able to articulate that at the moment. And like, so, but because of their reactions and then like what, what I had to uh, like process in the moment, I was like, Oh, I'm, I must not be a math person. Right. Well, I believed that until I was much older, and when I was exploring my mind through meditation and through just trying to do self-development, I had, I was in college and I had to do math. And then these old programs came back up when I was faced with problems that were like, Oh, you don't want to do this. And you're like, Oh, you're not, you know, you're not all this self-doubt and all this also like, this is stupid. Why do I have to do this? You know, it was like, it was all these things, but because I was trying to be very self-aware, When those things popped on in my mind, my inner self was like, whoa, look at all this now in my field of view. Like, that's really interesting. Like, where did you come from? Oh, I remember you. And like, wow, that's not really needed. And that's going to deter me from actually learning this, which I want to do. And I have to do because I want to graduate college. So I have to graduate this class. I have to. You know what I mean? So then I had to re- edit the way I thought about myself and math. I had to think about what uh, math meant to me. Now it was a fun puzzle. It was a fun thing I was going to do to try to learn and grow. Uh, And so like, I would drive around while I was delivering pizzas and I would do math problems in my mind. And I would just, then I would check it on the calculator. And then I was like, okay. And then I would sit there and I would just like try random things where I would count seven, you know, just like sevens uh, to like a thousand, you know what I mean? Obviously 7,000 should be the right answer. You know what I mean? But then sometimes I had missed one, you know what I mean? Or something where I was like, I was driving around and I I missed a seven, you know? So anyway, all I'm saying is like, then I became really good at math. And then I started reading like higher level math stuff, you know, and like I, I became fun. And then I was like, okay, so the whole thing about my identity prevented my growth prevented my ability to look at myself as able to grow, able to do this difficult, but not that difficult task. And so when I started researching neurobiology and neurology, and I found out that this is actually a phenomenon that they have been exploring, that there is literally no genes for math. There is no genes for music. There is no there is no music people or math people or anything like that. It is, it's not how our brain works. There are moments in our lives where we are reinforced through behaviors and traumas or, uh, you know, the pop, like, I, I want to say, um, I have positive traumas. You know what I mean? Tra- positive impactful moments that leave a mark on us that, uh, create a path a for core us. Uh, inquiry. Yeah. Core, core memory. Right. Yeah. Uh, As uh, the kids uh, say uh, these days. Right. Right. Well, that was a good movie inside out. I like that. It movie. Is but, anyway, movie. but, but I, I, uh, that that progression of how we identify ourselves and what we are capable of and where we fit socially and like what we're capable of all those things create so many different outcomes and like because nobody's talking about any of those things because it's not a social norm to even explore or express any of those things in fact for men it's 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 the opposite do not go down that pathway do not go down that pathway just fucking shut that off and be these things and, you know, do these things. And, you know, that uh, unpacking that just within yourself, when you're willing, ready, and able takes a long time and having the right kind of positive influences, the right kind of, uh, you know, information to read and or the reinforcing of that with your community is really hard to find. So we have so many problems with so many people in so many communities that they don't know who they are. They don't know how to know who they are. And they are then alienated from that and then don't have time to explore it because of capitalism. And then they're they're, they're further perpetuated by their society in all of these ways. So like, that's just like so many things stacked against you as an individual to try to even rationalize who you are and not who your parents have said the world was or have said who you are or like all these things, but literally like trying to see it for how you do it, but also for how maybe other people might, and how yeah. science says it is versus you know other things. So all all of that is such an a personal journey that is very hard to create a universal path for. So yeah. that's why spirituality is not gonna work, and that's why uh, I think, and that's why religion can't work, and why these like you know also why our education system can't work because they're broad strokes. Uh, to uh, to uh, overgeneralize. Well, we do uh, need and, to. And...
0: We definitely need to change the education system in America. The current system is based on the Prussian method, and it definitely needs um, to be changed. I I'm, I'm, I know there's a lot of things that people are trying. Like empathetic learning is something they're trying to work into schools. Um, and from what I've seen of that, I think it's a sound idea. And if studies indicate that it works, I think we should go with it. It's definitely a deviation from the way we used to teach things. Um, but I think that we should do away with the... We should do away with the Prussian system of essentially what is essentially... Um, I don't think age-segregating students makes has any real value. I don't think... <clears throat> I don't think that, um, I don't think grades, um, in terms of like, uh, separating people, um, into grades, it has a real value. Um, I think it makes more sense that we just create a progress system where people essentially move at their own speed through the system that way. So like, so like everyone starts off like, and the same thing like these are level one books on this topic and maybe some people get through the book faster and they can move on to the next topic the next uh the next class or the next topic but dividing people into and not make it a big deal if people take longer to learn a specific thing than other people um because there's no value to that there's no value to differentiating that people learn at different speeds in different ways um so creating this system where we're constantly, like you're saying, building on the idea of failure, uh, which is really a, a a meaningless concept in terms of of like real learning, right? Um, I think is I I think is really detrimental to our to our system, and the whole Prussian method is designed to create soldiers and obedient people. It's not not really beneficial to us. That being said, I wonder maybe, why we adopted it. That being said, we need public education. Public education is a thing that absolutely has to exist. Oh, after-
1: absolutely. Absolutely. I think that all education should be public and and that should be free and and to all levels of of whatever you want to do. You know, and I think that it should be also like kind of like um you basically, you know, you you come and you have evaluations by professionals, you know what I mean? And then they can see where your strengths are. And then they ask you serious questions about what you'd like to do. And then that like can guide you towards like being creative and seeing your best self and learning your as your best self in, in any way and not being then measured against other children in any way. In fact, it's like, The opposite of that it's like measured against just where your your own progress like you were saying you know what i mean and and not in a detrimental like punitive way but just like as a a metric for like showing growth you know what i mean and not for a chastising of of lack of growth um and uh the uh, uh i think that it's very valuable for children to interact with kids of all ages and be able to see different dynamics but also like what I experienced in high school, and, and I'm not sure if you did or not, but um, teachers have cliques and really like the popular kids, and they also are not beneath making fun of or laughing along with other people making fun of or bullying if if it suits them or if it's not too overt. You know what I mean? Like that's very pre- prevalent. So with this identity situation that we're all feeling is is also. Infecting literally, I I think it's literally the core issue for every single thing that we experience as people that's both positive and negative is identity and that, like, the lenses in which we're building it and, and you know, cleaning those lenses or not, or you know, changing the lenses as needed. And, uh, I think that, um, it starts in our schools and I think it starts in our homes. And I think it, I mean, it's I'm sorry, it starts in our homes, but it's perpetuated in our schools and then. You know, it it is perpetuated in our society and on our television and the rhetoric, like all of that is, is, uh, you know, a support system for really bad behavior and bad coping mechanisms. And I think that's overwhelmingly clear. You know, I think that it's like an objective analysis of our group psychology, our group behavior, our group, you know, like goals, our group perspectives is not of a rational or healthy one. It's one of a very irrational and nationalistic uh, one. You know, uh, even the liberals that say they're for equality are just as go America. You know, as oh, yeah. as as the most ardent you know fascists in some ways. So but, like,
0: yeah. so like no, yeah, nationalism—that's a huge problem
1: yeah i don't um, think there's a difference between nationalism and patriotism just to be clear i do not think there's a difference i think it's just a, the nice liberal way of saying fascism you know
0: i mean theori- theoretically we could make an argument of degrees but the i think the important thing is is that like all the time i have people arguing with me about like how like like oh what did all these dictatorships that went wrong having common they were socialists and i'm like Okay, you really want to know what happens with what all these dictatorships and all these things have in common? What they really all have in common is a drive towards nationalism and an appeal to populism. Right. That's what they all really have in common because that is amorphous and can be fit into any name. Whether you want to call it fascism or you want to call it the People's Republic of whatever. Like, that's what it really is.
1: If someone says, hey country first like what that's what i'm saying any amount of patriotism is nationalism even if it's a small degree it's still saying that my workers are more important than your workers my children are more important than your children that that it's america first in any way is 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 a fascist statement it's a fascist statement so i think that any degree on that gradient of patriotism or nationalism is uh is a fascism if you will yeah, it, it,
0: because it's a cutoff to empathy it's yeah, like, for other people, because it's like this is the
1: range false. of your empathy pride yeah i think it's i think it's disgusting
0: yeah um so a thing i wanted to touch on here because like i do feel like there's this false dichotomy um in that it, that they put forward by the conservatives and the traditionalists in our society um which is the idea that somehow the left is anti self-improvement or like there's this dichotomy that like oh conservatives are the ones who really believe in self-improvement it's, it's these lazy lazy socialists who just want you to hand them things and and they just they just want free stuff and like the thing is, is that like that's maybe maybe i'm sure there are some cringe cringy kids out there who think that's How socialism works but like generally speaking like no that's a false dichotomy
1: yeah well i think everyone
0: on the left understands that you need to be working on yourself that you need to be doing self-improvement that's why we believe in things like therapy and introspection
1: right well liberals aren't on the left and that's the problem well their perform their performativeness is i mean they are center right at best and their their policies show that and their rhetoric shows that and their lack of material conditioning analysis, material uh, analysis to uh, to create their policy and create their empathy is null and void. And the, um, I mean, like one of the greatest scams of the 21st century is Obamacare. You know what I mean? And it gives fuel to conservatives to attack the fakeness of liberals and then when we and then because of the isolation bubbles and they'll actually get a lot of interaction with actual people who are uh, liberals you know what i mean they will uh be able to be susceptible to you know tucker carlson's propaganda of who liberals are and what the memes the edgelord memes show of liberals and their overreactions and all this stuff you know what i mean so like I think that
0: Carlson is the most irresponsible person on television.
1: He is fascist number one, bro. And when he runs for president in a couple of years, look out because it's going to happen. Yeah. But anyway, so, so um, I
0: know, if you believe, if you care at all about demographics, you might be a racist.
1: Yeah. Right. Um, so, but he is, I mean, like, well, I mean, what I was going to say is that, um, uh,
0: Tucker Carlson is a fascist.
1: Yes, he's a fascist. But what, I, but what I was, I was saying was that, um, that 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 the liberals are convenient tools for fascism to rise, and that is why we see a very significant pattern of, um, you know, uh, Bill Clinton paved the way with his neoliberalism for George Bush, and then George Bush paved the way for Obama. And then Obama paved the way for Trump. It is a clear pathway to a rise of fascism every time. It's a, it's a it's a step up every single time because of the ineffectiveness and the the fakeness of liberal politicians that um, you know shroud themselves in pride flags while uh, not passing really any beneficial legislature. Yes, Obama passed. Uh, you know, legalization of gay marriage, but he did not codify Roe v. Wade into law, which he could have done with a executive action. And then that would have protected gay marriage through a, a, a congressional act. But he didn't do that. Why? And you wonder, and he, and, he's, and he was asked that and he batted it away because the money interests didn't want that in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? The people who really fund the liberals. So that that's, that's what's really difficult is that, we keep having to push liberals because they're better than fascists marginally. You know what I mean? But they are like Biden has done nothing stopping it. The kids in cages have increased in in Biden's terms. And where's all the crying liberals outside the cages. They're not there. It's fake as hell. It's fake. So, and the, and the conservatives see that and because they're ruthless, they say it and they show it and then they show the bullshit. You know what I mean? And then that literally gives the liberals no ground to stand on. so, the, this is why liberals are, are center right. I'm just going to finish with this. It's just because all of their solutions are market-based solutions, and none of their market-based solutions will ever uh, change the the for-profit market away from the um, the needs of the people. You know, so that is why they're capitalists, and that is why they are ineffectual at actually changing the material conditions of people, and why uh, they give you know people a rise to fascism because the only choice is either fascism or these liberals. And people keep choosing fascism, sadly.
0: It is it is very frustrating. Um, and unfortunately, like... Like, I don't understand... Like... I don't understand... I don't understand how smart people um, get pulled into some of it, to be honest.
1: Can you define like, smart people?
0: Define smart people? I mean, like... I feel like there are there. Ha- I feel like there are decent human beings, who exist, um, on the right, but they—they're not big picture people. Like what I've started to understand is that there are there are some people that have individualism embedded so heavily in their brain, that they apply it to like. That they can't see the bigger picture of society, like I recently had had an argument with someone on Facebook about how um, about student loans, and essentially like all their arguments consistently come down to I don't feel like I should have to pay for this problem because I chose not to go to college and take out these loans and the thing is is that like like the the all-on personal responsibility thing doesn't help protect the economy like
1: yes the proposed way to do that wasn't going to make it so that the average person actually had to pay a dime more to get that done so they weren't going to be paying for that so instead actually we could re i mean like so they're fine with their taxes paying for bombing people all over the world we have more people you know more uh bases than all the other countries combined times 10 and uh that's insane and they're fine with that because it's outside of their connected rhetoric of what is important and where money goes anyway sorry
0: no, no, it's cool. Go ahead. Though. Um, but like, I think there are people who can't see the big picture, and they're not necessarily bad people, but they just have it in their mind. on On a general basis, they only worry about what's right in front of them, and they assume that that is how everyone should be looking at the picture. Like, sure. You made the choice to get a student loan. Therefore, I don't feel bad for you. But like that doesn't, those people don't understand the problem that the issues are systemic and so many people on a widespread are going to be affected by student loans that it's going to negatively economically impact a huge portion of society, preventing them from gaining their own capital in our capitalistic society. system and that's going to cause issues like exactly what happened with the housing crisis exactly like why um exactly like why the black people haven't gained as much as they should have since the civil rights because the civil rights didn't like fix the problems it just removed certain barriers from them there was no there was no reparations for for all the things that pushed them back economically before that Right and so that's that's what's we're when we only focus on the individual and what the individual did, we don't look at the greater ripple effect across society and how it will generationally affect things.
1: right. Well, what I would say is like if, if one of the first things um th- that reminds me of is uh the um uh, debate that John F. Kennedy did. Uh, it was one of the first televised debates, you know? Yeah. And the oh, first colorized te- televised debates. And um, John Kennedy had makeup on and had, you know, so he wasn't sweating. And the other candidate, I think it was Nixon. Yeah, it was um, Nixon. Who it was who, a, yeah. who does, who a naturally sort of sweaty,
0: swarthy guy. Right. Was known for his lip sweat, even.
1: Right and by by all rights, actually, Nixon won dialectically again yeah. it, like, you know what I mean, like it, I mean not that Nixon, I agree with Nixon, but what I'm saying is like he people beat who heard him. It
0: on the people who heard it on the radio thought Nixon did better, and people who saw it on yes. TV thought Kennedy did better
1: exactly, exactly. And that shows, I think, a trend that has increased over time so that like is if we have five people on a panel on television and they're all saying a different idea but one is more charismatic than the others that person is going to be perceived as right and that is super insane and dangerous uh so like you know like we could literally have four people up there and hitler or or and and he's just charismatically going going to town on uh, against all the other people and because half of his material condition analysis is correct uh, but where he's pointing the problem is wrong. Half, half the people won't understand, you know, and just say that sounds really right and that makes sense. And if it, it feeds off their own personal biases they already kind of had and were fighting against, they're like, yeah, that that that's he's talking about me, and I feel that too. I'm glad somebody else spoke about this, and the, was, you know, yes, and and like so like that whole process has been amplified, and uh, because we're so in, engaged in social media and in in so many different ways. So I think that like, the, that's a big problem because the loud people like Tucker Carlson is literally, Tucker Carlson is literally the, the number one watched news anchor news. And I say that with deep, deep, uh, you know, I, 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 technically, contempt.
0: technically, I don't believe analysis or opinion pieces can be considered news. Um. Uh, <laughs>
1: Right. Exactly. You're hundred percent correct. And he actually had to argue in court that it was not news that it was opinion pieces because that he, you know uh, all kinds of, you know, things he's basically egged on in society. Yeah. But anyway, so that is I think a trend that we're going to continue to see. So unless you're charismatic and charming and attractive and you know, really feeding to some of their deepest, darkest things, you're not going to sway a certain portion portion of the society, you know.
0: Exactly, and so bringing this back to disaffected white men, um, it's alarming. Who can get a an audience these days? Are you familiar with um, familiar with Jesse Lee Peterson?
1: I sadly am.
0: So the other day i uh, i was I was watching some debates online and. Um, I watched one, I watched a couple with a gentleman known as Hake, mm. who apparently works for Jesse Lee Peterson on The Fallen State, and, um, wow, he is, he is dumb, like, I don't, I don't like to, like, imbue people's intelligence, but he is, he's, he's a guy with a show called The Hake Report. And literally, this dude's big deal is that he just hates women. He just... And he uses religion that he doesn't have a good understanding of at all because he listens to Jesse Lee Peterson about religion. <laughs> That's whose church he's going to. Um, as a justification for, for like, ragging on on women and gay people. And honestly... Like, some of the things he said make me go, okay, this guy is either deeply traumatized or he is not in connection with himself to realize how asexual he is.
1: Right. Uh, that's, uh, that's off. I mean, actually, Jesse Lee Peterson kind of, like, was talking about how he watched gay porn. Like, oh, yeah. like <laughs> I watched the Surf's episode where they kind of covered that, and I was like, the hell is going on with these people? You know what I mean? They're always so. They're always anti-porn or anti-gay, and then they're found in their office with a gay, you know, prostitute. You know what I mean? It's like it's like like clockwork. But 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 uh, the- going back to going going back to identity though, how like someone like that could be, you know, uh, indoctrinated. You know what I mean? And then then what that does. I think that there is a there is a methodology of thinking that is terrible, right? And like I think that. I did it before in my life when I was into spirituality and I, I, I still see echoes of it. And it was, it's literally like I had to withdraw from it and then I had to rehab from that kind of thinking because it's so appealing to go back to, because first of all, you feel empowered because you think you're discovering truths of the universe. You feel like you're on the forefront of something, even though you're not using any kind of methodology, you're just thinking and and thinking poorly, you know what I mean uh you're just really going with thoughts, which is not critical analysis of a thought, you know what I mean and uh so what what I see in people a lot is that they think that they can think about something that they've never experienced or 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 uh know anything about, never studied, yeah. and just think about it and not actually study it, but just think about it and and know you know, and that, that process. That is exactly what that guy is. What that guy is like, exactly. That's like what I'm saying. Literally, and-
0: like the people would try and like pin him into arguments, and he just would like not make them. Mm-hmm. Like there was one point where like his whole thing was he's like, sex is bad, and like w- women use sex to control us and stuff. And like at a certain point in the conversation, it came up that he's like, no, I don't think that. Like the moderator asked him, he's like, so wait a minute, are you saying? that like me as a married man shouldn't be able to make out with my wife. And he's like, well, I mean, you, you're married, so you can, but like, you shouldn't let it get out of control or anything. And it's, (laughs) and like, and like at one point he even says like, well, sex is meant for procreation, but I don't think it should last. I think it should just last like a minute and then you're done. And it's like, (laughs) wow. Like, it's like, wow, this guy is so afraid. I, th- I think he's afraid of sex. Like, it yeah. was like it's like, wow, like it, it blew my mind. I like, so like, I don't know if he's like secretly asexual and he just doesn't know enough about uh like uh, that kind of stuff to know it. But like, wow. Wow.
1: that is uh, That is intense, man yeah i'm I'm sorry can you pause it for a second
0: sure so i will so um so i was saying though like uh i'm glad you brought up uh like things like um self-improvement and uh, and personal responsibility because those are things that constantly the right is trying to to paint uh the left is not believing in but the truth is is that like what well, we really believe in is balance, in my opinion, because uh, I'm, I'm a very big uh, I got into Taoism in college, and I see life as a, like a, a mixture of yin and yang. Like, the idea uh, of that um, the left is anti-individualist is, is a laughable concept. Um, I believe that society is made up of individuals in a society. Therefore, individualism is very important, but so is the fact that we live in a group setting. We live in a world that is interconnected and overlapping and intersectional. So, like, also, like, this is the other thing. Like, You can't really be an individualist and and hate minorities. Like, because, like, if you believe in individualism, then you should believe that that gay people and trans people and and people of all like different groups and denominations and races should be able to live their best personal experience.
1: Well, I think that I think that there are two groups really prominent groups in in conservatism. You know what I mean? And I think it's the Christian conservatives, and then there's the uh atheistic conservatives and the atheistic conservatives i think are kind of like you know i don't care if you're gay you know you know just you know or or like you know just don't take my weed or my guns you know what i mean i don't care if you're gay or whatever you know that whole thing you know what i mean like and i think that's um an offshoot of individualism that you know of conservatism that they agree with you on that you know what i mean i think the libertarians would agree with you on that just to just to be fair and not straw men them completely into one group, because I agree with you on the whole, though, because yeah. their individualism isn't really consistent like most of their worldview. Yeah. So it will be patchy and, uh, you know, like so
0: surprising number, surprising number of like big atheists turn out to be like um, huge traditionalists, which is vaguely confusing.
1: Uh, it is. I think it's because of who they were rubbing elbows with, and again, that's part of that whole like who's reinforcing what in your mind about like status or society or class, you know?
0: Yeah, no, they, they all they they want to be. They don't want to go to church, but they they still want to have a a trad wife. That's That's true. That's true. that's, (laughs) That's what it is. Um. So, but like. So, like, to any disaffected youth or anyone listening now, one thing I will say that I, I will say is, is is maybe a true point that uh, conservatives make sometimes is, uh, is that sometimes you do need role models in your life, and it's important to have role models. But, like, you don't need role models like Jordan Peterson.
1: Well, what I think, actually, I don't think you need necessarily role models. I think you need um... – you need Function. people who
0: expose you to ideas.
1: Well, I, I think functions are better than models, like or like 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 you know what I mean, role models, in in that way, like I mean, like so, like there's an ideal, right? So like, yeah. the ideal is to like take a material analysis of my conditions and try to take an intersectional view of that through society and try to look at it through an as uh, as a. Um, uh, just of a hierarchy as possible, a flat and just of a hierarchy as possible. So those are the ideals I look through. Right. So like there's, they're not attached to any one individual. Now there's individuals in some of those camps that I like some of what they're saying. So I'm like, Hey, you know, like Kropotkin, you know what I mean? Or like, you know, Karl Marx, you know what I mean? Or whatever, <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, uh, but, but Karl Marx had, some racism, had some misogyny, had some like other shit going on. Right. So like, if I try to like pretend that's not there and I just idol worship this person, I'm falling to a lot of the traps that we talked about in identity. So I think that's like, part of the thing is like, it was really important is that like, I am not, you know, what I do uh, as a being now, like socially I'm what I do because that's how people need to see me so that they can protect themselves from me or embrace me, you know, depending on what it is you know know.
0: you're right role model is the wrong term what i should say is mentor like people who people who like help us discover where what our values are and and how we can better ourselves in society because you're absolutely right and and a big thing that i think has has helped me be maybe hopefully well adjusted is the recognizing that um i don't believe in having heroes Um, uh, because no matter how much i i I think someone is inspirational or awesome or or how much i appreciate their work or art i have a i have a cognitive thing in the back of my head where i'm like where i understand that this is it this is still like a human being and they're gonna they're gonna have things about them that I would not agree with, or would not, and and they might have some types of failings, uh, that they may or may not address in their lives, that they may or may not learn from. And oh, I'm
1: sorry. And like to,
0: and like they say in uh, and like they say in Batman, you either die a hero or you live long enough. To see yourself become uh, the villain, which is is totally true, like because sometimes people do change. <laughs> sometimes true. people change dramatically. Like, uh, like just as an example, there's Frank Miller, from uh, who who wrote Batman, and like if you read his '80s stuff, while well, he still has like a heavy like, um, vig- heavy like uh, borderline militant vibe to what he does, there was also like clear like disdain for like ronald reagan and like government and like government stuff yeah then 9-11 happened and he went insane and his books got racist have you ever you ever heard the book holy terror no it was originally it was a comic book that was originally going to be called batman versus osama bin laden and then at a certain point in him making it uh dc comics was like nope we're not going to publish this and so he 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 redid some of the stuff so that he could um so that it could be published by someone else um he actually got it published through legendary pictures who had made a ton of money off of his 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 comic book 300 and so Mm that i assume they thought hey this will grant us the rights to this movie and then they proceeded to never make a movie out of it. Uh but but essentially it's Batman versus terrorists. Like it's Batman versus Muslim terrorists. Only I should call him not Batman cuz he's called the fixer. And then there's a girl, then there's a woman who is not Catwoman and I don't remember her name. And there's a, definitely a character who is like is not Jim Gordon. Uh and it's <laughs> It's a really good-looking book, honestly, in terms of the art. But it's one of the worst comic books I've ever read.
1: That's hilarious. That's terrible, but hilarious.
0: And But, like, I used to be super into his comics when I was younger. And now I'm like, that's vaguely embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, yeah. Well, you know, we all, we all change, you know. And that's the thing is it's like nobody's a monolith. You know, and yeah, absolutely. I think that that that's what we need to stop doing because then it's like blue, no matter who. It's like, well, really? No, I'm sorry. Blue, I, no I matter agree.
0: who, was just something that like, uh, like centrists made up to like try and bend Bernie Bros arms into voting for uh, a into voting for Joe Biden or Mike Bloomberg or whoever it turned out to be. And right. That's my opinion on blue, no matter who. Anyways, because I think that's just that was like, like it, that was just a mirror image of Bernie or Bust.
1: Like, yeah,
0: like you guys I, you're probably right. You guys are just not wanting to compromise here. You're just trying to silence the other people's <laughs> dissension. Sure. Although to be fair, I I do think it would we would it would have been better if Bernie Sanders had gotten the nomination.
1: A hundred percent. He would have. He would have won. Yeah, I I think I think that's I think that there's enough people who are like Bernie or Trump, Bernie or Trump, which is an incredible, incredible sweeping difference to show you that they don't actually know about politics. And then it was more about the performative identity games that were happening and not the actual substance of the politics. Truly, Yeah. you know,
0: yeah, no, it's it's so stupid how much the Democratic Party throws around the concept of electability?
1: Well, that's because they are a for-profit basically. They're not really, but they are. You know what I mean? A for-profit organization that has a bottom line. So they're willing to take short-term losses, like a one-Trump cycle election, so that they can get now a Biden sec- you know election, so that they can secure their side of their funding uh, with better legislation. You know what I mean with their for their lobbyists. You know what I mean. So like you know, like Obamacare was a complete throw to insurance companies and pharmaceutical companies. You oh, know, what yeah. I mean? it was it was, it was yeah. you know Obama fulfilling a, a a need to them. You know, what I mean, while cloaking it in a, a, a achievement for working class and poor. Absolutely. And it was not
0: like the thing with oh, Obama said Obama said public option, and the next thing I know. I'm getting Hillary Clinton's healthcare plan. It's yeah. Bullshit. It's
1: true. I mean, so I mean, like I think literally going, just going all back, I think white nationalists and, and the white men that are susceptible to their grooming um, are all stemming from the same failures in identity and in social isolation and alienation and, Uh, you know sadly it keeps you know turning into terrorism because it is terrorism Mm -hmm. it's absolutely terrorism
0: i feel like some of it definitely does have to do with identity like they feel like they don't have they they feel like they don't have one and so they respond with like violence to like form an identity or they give in to these like right-wing they buy into these right-wing identitarian politics because they they look around and they feel like everyone's got an identity but them. So they want to like... So the, the second someone offers them one, no matter even if it's terrible, like they want to buy into it. And this is why this is why extracurricular things are so important. This is why yes. like clubs are so important. And like, if there's anyone out there listening, like uh, seriously, go join a dojo. Go find an improv troupe try community theater like there's so many places you can try and find a home in society go uh, audition for a ren fair take take classes places get out there and try and like if you feel like you don't have an identity go out and if you feel like you don't have a community go out there and try it try out these different things at some point you'll find somewhere where, and you're going to
1: fail, and that's okay. And that's not yeah. who you are or representation of who you are, no matter who or, or what in society tries to reinforce it, that is the case. Your yeah. failures are not your identity. Absolutely. And, and subsequently, which is an even harder thing for some people to understand, is that your achievements aren't either. And yeah. like, yeah. And, that, and, and we don't need to swing between I'm the best and I'm the worst in our minds and publicly. We can have nuance in there that says, mm-hmm. you know, that action worked or that action did not. Or, you know, that behavior at worked or that behavior did not. It doesn't have to be intrinsically linked to your identity.
0: Your identity is not what you achieve. It is what you pursue. It is what you choose to go after. And, she's and, I think how,
1: and I think how we build it is it really important and shapes the way we think and the way we perceive and the way we, you know, uh, just act. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Because what you pursue is what will result in what actions you take, what options you choose to make, what options you choose to go with, I should say. And And try and meet as many different kinds of people as you can. Like go out there and like try to meet people and and like get to know them on an individualist level. Don't try to think about who you think they're supposed to be based on the stereotypes or preconceptions of of the world. Try to take people in as in, as as unique individuals because that's that's something that people want. Don't ignore don't ignore things either like don't try to be colorblind or force people to only communicate with you on your own comfort levels yeah I guess I guess that would be my advice to any people who are feeling disaffected in society try to meet more people try to get to know more people if you have trouble with with women the key the key to it, the key is to just you know get more comfortable with being failing around women
1: and failing. So go, so yeah. go on as many dates as you possibly can and fail and laugh at your own failure. If you say the stupidest thing and then it ends the, it ends the, the date and you realize what you said later, laugh at yourself, laugh at the moment and not at yourself, like you're stupid, but laugh at the, at the absurdity of, of humanness and, and the, and, and our minds. And then like, then like, well, I won't say that again. And then you try again. And then you you keep failing upward. You fail upward by taking stock of and a fair audit of what happened without attaching it or attacking your identity to it. You know, so like. And don't
0: be afraid of having friends who are women. Yeah. Who who you're not engaged with romantically. That's uh, that's going to help you a lot with learning how to communicate and understand women.
1: And be, you know what? You know what really helps also? E- even with the women you're trying to be romantically involved with, be completely honest. Be like, "You know what? Yeah. I'm really inexperienced at talking to women." And you know, I, you know, uh just just be straight up with them, you know? And and the worst that can happen is they say, you know, "No. Mm-hmm. Sorry." You know, but if you're polite and not creepy, you know? You can uh, actually communicate quite well what you feel, and then people will actually respond really well to it. If, but if you're all in your head about it and you build it up, that's something else. Like I, I can't stand romanticizing. I'm not saying romance. I'm saying romanticizing which is a, a, a basically an assumptive building game of who somebody is or what they're really like, or that they're, they're the one or something like this, like before you even know them, you know what I mean? You see somebody you're just now interacting with them and, and you, you know, you, maybe you ask them out or you want to ask them out and you build it up into this, this person. Stop all that. Yep. The, the most important thing you can do is not assume onto anyone else or anyone, anything else. And just really like sit in the, the, the present as much as possible. And anytime your mind goes, but what, blah, 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 be like, you know, no, thank you. I don't want to engage in that programming. You know what I mean? Uh, and then, you know, just pull your attention back and pull your attention back and focus on yourself, focus on your own skills or your own behaviors and like your own tasks. And then like, if the interactions happen, they'll happen more uh, naturally because you haven't built them up in your head and played them a million times in your head. They'll have not You, you they will, you will be more uh, comfortable because you won't have been so nervous because you built it up all in your head. So like that whole process of how we think, how we assume, how we build things up in our heads is really important of how we then are perceived by the other people in the moment, in that vibe that people can give off or whatever of neediness or like uh, over eagerness or whatever, which is all really annoying. Honestly, all those games that are played, with identity or I think are really uh, a lot of them toxic and, and, and negative, but you know, not anyone's individualistic fault, but anyway, so I think that, uh, yeah. And, and, and
0: also, we should, also some, also another thing to disaffected any disaffected youth. Don't be afraid of, don't be afraid of finding out there's something about you that is stigmatized by the world around you. Don't be afraid Uh, like, I am positive that there are many disaffected youth who are not being honest with themselves about things, and they're trying to bury stuff about themselves. Um, be okay with the idea, it's okay if you're gay. Or it's okay if you're asexual, like, uh, like Mr. Like Mr. Haig. Uh, (laughs)
1: like
0: that's that's okay if that's a thing you find out about yourself don't let people stigmatize you into being negative about that don't turn that into don't turn that into your don't turn that into violent choices against people you're afraid of identifying with i agree and and uh
1: it's it's hard though it's, all that would be hard if, for someone you know unless they were right on the fence of belief you know what I mean and that's what's so hard about the world is that you can't force somebody into the state of wanting to grow and that's why communication is broken down so much you know
0: life is not about being like life and like I say this as someone who identifies as a man, but like life isn't really about being a man or being a woman life is about adapting and learning from the world. Um, and that's what really is going to determine how survivable you are as a person. what how can you how can you learn from the world around you And right now traditionalism by and large is a, a resistance to those changes in the world. And that's why sometimes people who give in too much to the concept of traditionalism, will spiral into violence um, because they feel like the world is falling apart around them and once you're that once you have that sense of desperation you' your 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 understanding of your own options is going to change and you're gonna make some bad choices and that that goes to like back to the the women thing too like, women aren't going to be comfortable around you if you, if you come off as, as like profoundly desperate uh, because desperation is a red flag to us as human beings normally um, because a desperate person is more likely to make a, a choice that would negatively impact you. Now that's not to like downplay, like we're all going to be desperate at some point. We're all going to have desperate moments in our lives. But typically speaking, if you find yourself in life feeling desperate, you definitely need therapy. You need to figure out what's going on. Then, if you if you're feeling desperate for human attention, if that if you find yourself uh, in an incel space, you need to start. That's those are people who are manifesting poorly. <laughs> huh. I'm sorry, not. That's a conversation we didn't have on air, but like, uh, like. If you if you're identifying as an incel, it really feels like you are creating a self fulfilling prophecy, like you're 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 religiousizing your your victimhood um, as you're trying to develop completely. a victimhood uh, mm-hmm. for your for like the incel thing.
1: I agree completely.
0: Those are some people who need to work on some self improvement.
1: Um, well, yeah, but and and they, I think they know that, and that's what's funny is they know that. And then there's Jordan Peterson who offers self help and like some of its standard self help stuff, so it does yeah. help them to a degree. But then he fills them their heads with all this other bullshit, which which hurts them to a much more degree and still alienates them from women. So while they may be doing better in some areas of their lives, they're not, you know, still able to uh communicate effectively or you know not objectify women as uh specific things so
0: yeah so 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 kids disaffected youth, if you're I, hearing don't
1: this, do jordan peterson
0: yeah don't do jordan peterson jordan peterson is just a grifter in fact they're all a lot of them are grift don't listen to jesse lee peterson or anyone who talks to you about being a beta male or or any of that beta male alpha male uh, delta male sigma whatever they just keep they keep adding more greek letters uh i hate to tell you this guy boys and girls but it's it's just i saw a meme the other day that said this just horoscopes for men yeah like, like it's 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 fun it's fun to play around with but it's based on like really faulty data that later the original guy came back and was like nope turns out what i was watching was wolves being parents right i i, I fucked it up man
1: yeah and then he's like and he's so sad that it's been taken and used and that's just so funny because it's like like we were saying like the creators of the matrix uh the um oh, what was it what was the other one
0: I mean there's a lot of stuff. Like you could go through like Rick and Morty, creators of the Matrix, right. um, like um Alan uh Rorschach from The Watchmen, like characters who've been appropriated by like edge lords just goes on. And like that's another thing. When I was a teenager, I felt like I related most to Rorschach, but then as an adult, I was like, Oh no, I'm Doctor Manhattan.
1: <laughs>
0: uh but uh
1: I'm tired of these people,
0: this yeah. place. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh yeah. Like that like um disaffected youth will appropriate whatever like feels um relatable to them. Uh like when I was when I was when I was a sad edgy teenager, I would listen to that song, uh I Am a Rock by Simon & Garfunkel over and over again cuz it's <laughs> because that's what it sounded like to me. Mm. This is about disaffected youth and alienation.
1: Makes sense to me. It's a good song.
0: It is a good song. It's such an such an odd flavor of edgy teenager when I was a kid. Uh but but yeah <clears throat> Also to be clear like I'm not saying any of this to be overtly sympathetic to anyone who would do a spree shooting or anyone who would embrace white nationalism.
1: No, so- we're not trying to empathize with, with the shooters in any way. What we're trying to do is, is trying to be scientific in understanding the environment in which these yeah. things are being produced and having empathy for the environment and for the system so that we can then try to stop that from happening again. Absolutely. So like, like, and here, here's what I'll say also as a gun owner, Uh, you know like a responsible gun owner you know what i mean i do not think that um like you know trying to take people's guns away for example Mm -hmm. is is an appropriate response right in fact i think that the people should have guns to you know be able to protect themselves from tyranny or what or others you know what i mean like the world is a crazy place you know what i mean and uh so i i don't think that guns are the problem because other nations have tons of guns yes. and there's no problem you know so i think that's a that's a uh a really poor argument you know what i mean which the conservatives bat down successfully every time you know what i mean I, because it's a I shitty mean- argument, and so like that and that's what again a, a ineffective uh, a liberal approach because it's no it's not nuanced and it's not understanding but it's also uh within the market you know what i mean it's not it's not you know outside of the market so what i think is what we you know we need to do is just create access to healthcare, stop capitalism in its tracks and uh you know completely rechange the system so you know uh on, wait on a second thought maybe taking the guns would be easier but but <laughs> i'm just saying like you know uh maybe not, though. i think it's but you know I think it's
0: worth uh, noting that there are lots of countries that have lo- more guns than us and don't have these problems uh but what do all those countries have that we don't is tons of regulations on guns.
1: And socialism. Yeah, like Sweden and Sweden or whatever it is, I think Sweden it is. Sweden and the guns. Yeah, but but like most of the the ammunition is stored publicly and you have to like sign it out. You know what I mean? So you got guns, but you only have a little bit of ammunition. You can't have a lot of ammunition, you can't have a lot of guns. You can just have the guns you would need, you know what I mean, kind of thing you know, and, and again, like, I'm not, I, I like guns, I have guns, you know what I mean? I'm not opposed to guns. So that I think what a, a big problem is that, like, liberal talking heads have polluted the water so much that there are people who are on the left who very much so aren't anti-gun, they're just anti, you know, the ability for someone who's been on the terrorist watch list to just be able to walk into a, a thing and buy a gun in, in, in some places, you know what I mean? Which I,
0: I feel like, the NRA distorts how strong the anti-gun movement is in America to uh, sell guns and also to, like, cover up the fact that the real solution... Like, I... So, like, I'm not for gun... I'm not saying we should ban guns. I'm saying, like, we should have, like, real regulations.
1: 100%. <laughs> like,
0: real like real gun... Con- like, gun control would just be, like actual rules in place that that take care of things because other countries have these have these rules and other countries have tons of like even canada has a ton of guns like this this is the this is the thing that a lot of people don't realize is that rural areas will always need guns right uh, rural areas will always need guns like like even countries that we talk about as like quote-unquote taking the guns like australia like like we make it sound like Australia doesn't have guns, but like no, Australia is full of dangerous animals. Australians have guns like like in Australia, they have programs where you can have guns like um people who live like out in the country. you can have a you're allowed to have a pump now some of the laws don't necessarily make sense like you're allowed to have a pump action shot shotgun, but you're not allowed to have um you're not allowed to have like that gun from that shotgun from Terminator two with the with the thing or yeah. i might have it the other way around you're not allowed to have one of those guns one of those types of shotguns but you're allowed to have the other um which doesn't really make sense because they shoot at about the same rate uh but but also Most of the
1: time when they have when they try to differentiate between guns the people writing the laws have no idea and they're not gun owners and that's the problem is they're either too nuanced or not not nuanced enough you don't even know what I mean? where things get through
0: Makes sense. Um, but also in, in Australia, you can, if you want to own a handgun, uh, you just have to register for handgun sports. Uh, if you participate in handgun sporting events, you can own a gun in, in Australia. And like that makes it so there's a registry and it makes it so people are socializing and um, practicing safety regularly because those types of disciplines come with being in a sport.
1: Exactly. Yeah, it's it's been done successfully all over the of the world. You know what I mean. I think that I think that you need to be able to take serious testing, and you need to be able to have serious training before you can own your own gun. You know what I mean. You have to go yeah. and get registered, and all these things. But also, you, there's a limit on how much ammunition you can take home as a person, and also like you know, unlike whether or not it's an automatic weapon or not. You know what I mean. I don't think people need automatic weapons. Uh, I don't think the police need automatic weapons though either. Uh so like just to say that, you know what I mean? I don't think
0: uh that's, that's
1: necessary. But um like, anyway.
0: I like I feel like I will admit that the existence of SWAT teams probably exist for a reason. And I understand why they might have higher caliber weapons, but there's no reason for like average cops to have tons of guns. Like like you're not it should not policing should not be handled
1: like war. Well, I think that we should change and, and, uh, defund the police as well. But, you know, that's a whole other story about what that would mean. I mean, like, you know, uh, social workers deal with crackheads and, and like, you know, like aggressive, uh, you know, spousal abusers and like all kinds of things daily and they don't have a weapon and they, uh, get through their day and handle it through like mediation and, you know, also having, you know, like some protective measures within the building. You know what I mean? But uh, you know what I mean? All, all kinds of things like that. But also uh, the fact that um, they know how to ha- deescalate a situation and that they're not That's in the predominantly uh, for-profit based economic based policing where I- they require a certain amount of, uh, you know, arrests so that they can have a certain amount of court fees, a certain amount of these things so that they can pay for shit, you know, because taxes will only pay for so much when a lot of, a lot of it's being taken over by other situations, you know, and we're constantly giving tax breaks to Walmart and Amazon and all these things. And, and also giving millions of dollars to our stadiums every
0: Absolutely.
1: couple of years. You know, there's, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that keep draining our public economies, but you know, um, the uh just removing a police response to like ninety percent of what a police response to now would create less crime because we would not be criminalizing our citizens for just normal behavior for the most part just because they were the wrong area or the wrong color. Like
0: I one hundred percent agree. We need to, we need some major reforms to police work, and I think that... Them... <laughs> It's, it's terrible to say, but like with how horribly the police handled this, uh, this school shooting, uh, some people might be more inclined to look at police reforms um, because it's just it's ridiculous. Like, clearly, we don't have the right type of people going into this profession. Um, like, we don't have people going into a profession because they want to serve the public good is what it doesn't feel like. It doesn't feel like they're ready to to sacrifice for society to save lives. And that that's I mean <laughs> that's what all the memes say about firefighters. It's because right. firefighters are trained to risk their lives to save lives. Um and I and I think a lot of people in this country assumed that's what the police were for. And it's think I think people are starting to realize, oh, that's not what they do. And that's not how we train them. And that's not how we prepare them for it. And that's not yeah. the type of people who are getting those jobs.
1: Right. Well, the thing is also, though, you you touch on the point I was going to touch next is getting those jobs. The people getting those jobs is that uh, studies have found and also a court case even uncovered that um, police have a limit on your intelligence to who they will uh allow in and i mean at a limit on the high end so if you are higher intelligence they do not want you and they say that openly and they want lower intelligence people so they're continually hiring lower intelligence sense. people that i i know well it does because they are less likely to question and know the actual laws so that they can actually be like you know what this is unconstitutional i'm not going to do this you know what i mean because that that's the kind of level that they want officers to have in like you know the military, but then the low level people do not know all the things, so they're less likely to be whistleblowers you know what I mean that's the thing is it's like disincent- disincentivizing but also like this like uh, just like like not just disincentivizing but like making it less likely that a whistleblower would occur mm-hmm. because they're not dissenters because and they're like, back the blue you know
0: typically, typically when cops do the right thing, they get um, ostracized or fired.
1: Right. And, or pushed to a really dangerous beat. And so many uh, police officers have come out and said that and feared for their own lives that they had to blur their face. You know what I mean? Like, that's come out many, many times, you know? So I think it's disingenuous. And, like, that's why I don't believe it, because it just sounds, it's just fascist propaganda when people are rue ha the police or the military or anything like that, you know? I think that is uh, just nationalistic fascism you know, in, in the works. And, uh, it's, it's, I mean, literally it is what our country was founded on was white supremacy. We're and what they're conserving is white supremacy. And what will any leftist or progressive movement has ever tried to do was be progressive away from white supremacy. Literally that's the entire history of the United States is white supremacy and the fight against it. That's it. That's it that's literally the entire history Don't and then the all this, well, yes, you're right. I'm so sorry. Uh, I, but and the patriarchy and, and, uh, and, um, the, uh, oh, I guess the patriarchy would include also like, you know, gay marriage and gay, gay people and, and, mm-hmm. and trans people because it's not fitting in the Christian yeah. patriarchal model, but yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. So, you know, uh, that is that is the the, the the game and I think if you frame it like that people can see that but if you can't get enough time to, to sit with them and have them trust you enough to where you're telling them about history and you're talking to them about the everything and showing them history you don't have to you, you know even co- coerce them or anything it's just it's all right there you know that this is the the reality that that, that every single, social movement has been fighting against in some way or another is the domination of white men in our society. And then that is the conservative agenda is to, do, to create to maintain the domination of white men. Mm-hmm. And they just don't say that. And because if they did, they lose the women vote completely. Oh, it, yeah. it, it, most most of the time. You know? Yeah. Um
0: yeah, but I but I encourage you to listen to my episode uh, called The War on the Poor where I touch on some of these things because like that is like uh, what we're looking at now are just the, the policies that are being debated now will determine who are the lower classes of the future. That's, that's what we're looking at. And they don't say that part because that, they don't say that part out loud. But that's, that's really what the current debates are about. Who will get to be the poor of our future? Um, I'll check
1: it out for sure.
0: Yeah, um, we're and 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 we sh- we as a society need to be thinking more about the big picture, more about how we want to how important democracy is. And I I will say I I am a big believer in democracy because like I mean ultimately that's what I view um, socialism and and communism is is, is yeah you getting you getting a say in how your life plays into the system, um, which is a thing. A lot of conservatives don't understand about where we're coming from, right? That we view democracy as good. And we view that everyone should have, um, a, a voice to that. And that's really where the disagreement is. When I hear people say, Oh, well, democracy is just mob rule. And I'm like, you could view it that way. Um, however, that can be uh minimized with checks and balances but also in a mob rule you would still have more influence than in an oligarchy right where like you, any like the alternative to democracy is always you having less of a say and it's weird how people don't seem to get that like i've seen quote unquote libertarians post things that are pro monarchy. And I'm like, yeah.
1: that's not libertarian, bro. Well, that's the thing is because it's not actually a cohesive, thoughtful, uh, sustainable model in their mind. It's these bubbles that are all in their own vacuums that they, they make total sense to them inside the vacuum, but they can't bridge it to the other areas of how it would actually function as a as system, you know, of, of systems. Yeah. And and that's what's really important whenever you're building a model is to make sure that the system and the system of systems uh, within it uh, uh, and without it... They uh, view the world
0: exchange. as a, two people in a room making an exchange and then moving on mm-hmm. without ever understanding the complexities of what those exchanges might represent or how they might even be made possible.
1: Right. Um. Absolutely. Right, I, well. I, I you know i'm i have my own company going back to course, communism yes, for a absolutely. minute you know and i have a lot more employees now since the last time we had a uh, and i don't even like to say the word employee because they're not employees but that's such the rhetoric that uh, is we're so ingrained in you know what i mean but they're uh, co-owners of my company you know our company because i'm a communist whoever comes to work with me will become part of the work collective and uh I hired several of them off of indeed. I'd never met them before. We just, you know, we interviewed them and we, we uh, hired them. And one of them is a Trump supporter and um, there has been, you know, and he's a good guy, a good worker. You know what I mean? Uh, He just supports Trump and has some rhetoric that, you know, like he, I don't think understands. Like he said that like Trump is a man for the people, for the workers, you know what I mean? And so like, I challenged him a little bit on that with like, give me examples of how he did, how he helped workers or built jobs around here or did any of those things, you know what I mean? And he couldn't give them to me, but then like, you know, we started talking a little bit more, you know, and then I also became aware of the dynamic that's unhealthy because he's not my buddy. He's a worker that's still sees me as a, a, a boss because I am a higher stake owner. And also I am the shift leader, you know what I mean? And his trainer. So there's a lot of dynamics that he kind of like is forced then to listen to and forced then to feel that maybe then if he then tries to rebut or how much he rebut could affect his employment. Right. So like what me realizing that was like, okay, I, I have to be careful here because this isn't my buddy I'm hanging out with. This is. somebody i'm doing business with you know and so uh the dynamics of understanding the you know it's just hierarchies are so important so and that's what's so important to me is a hierarchy so i actually like later apologized to him and said look i want you to be able to feel open to talk to me about anything but i also uh, know that you're going to feel hesitant and i just laid it all on the line and explained what i was what i was experiencing and what i didn't want for him to experience further you know what i mean so i try to make it a point not to um talk politics in a specific way or uh um listen to some of my YouTube channels that I would listen to while he's there, because that's in, an, I think a hostile work environment. You know what I mean? Like, I think that would be, even though I agree fully with the content and I want him to think like this, that dynamic is not healthy. Right. So I'm trying yeah. to do the best thing I can do to give him a, a good place to work. And to, to set the, the record there is it's the best place he's ever worked. He's very happy. He shows up on time and is very dedicated and, you know, has uh, shown nothing but excitement for it. Right. So um, what he has also understood, though, because within the business model is what communism is. And we've had and and through the, the uh, discussion of how the business works and the complete showing of him being able to have the voice and being able to have these things, these democratic voice within the company and within you know his pay scale and within his his you know like understanding what i'm making versus what he's making have complete transparency within all the books so that we're all involved in this situation you know what i mean and like that kind of transparency is something he's never seen before and he doesn't feel like an alienated disconnected Piece of a cog, he feels like a real part of a team and a real part of something that he's working towards, where he sees upward mobility because he's going to continue to make more and more uh, and, and have more and more of the company as he progresses further and learns more of the different stations we have in in the company, the different skill sets, and also like being able to run a shift himself and you know all these things. But then the thing is, is that, that him and the other uh, the other workers can can vote me out of being a shift leader if they find themselves to be a more productive shift leader. Now I'll still have my own, you know, ability to have that part of the company, but I will be deposed from that position. And there is not many places where anybody has ever worked that in this country that has that ability. So he's seeing in action that this works and that it's better And that and that I'm consistent and that that the work is consistent and that my and all he sees is me working 80 hours a week, busting my ass right next to him, not just dictating and sitting back and reaping the benefits of profits. He doesn't know the difference of of how much he's actually producing for me, because I that's what I keep trying to instill in him is that I couldn't do this without you. So that means you're entitled to a portion of the growth that you created because you're here and I needed you to be here. So to disconnect you from that growth creates the alienation in a big way from our own labor. And that's why I'm trying to, you know, not just preach this things, all these things on Facebook or whatever, but also practice them with direct action and, you know, c- creating my, my business to be like this.
0: Absolutely. That sounds, you know what I think, I think this is a good time to – I think it's time to start wrapping it up. So let's – what's the name of your business again, good sir?
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, It's IAC Laser Engraving, IAClasers.com. And we just um, made a kind of big decision uh, this week. We are going to be leasing out a space in the inside of the Hartville Flea Market, which is a permanent – uh kind of brick and mortar situation for at least the next six months with the the lease was for so uh we were going to be at the Hartville flea markets in Hartville, ohio um uh selling your wares yes selling everything but also we'll, we'll be there four days a week um and uh we also have our online stuff still too and we can also do any kind of customized thing you can imagine very cool
0: excellent and uh, to, my, uh, to my listeners, I want to remind you, uh, the best way to support my podcast is just to try and get other people to listen to it. Just uh, share it on your, your social medias, say to people, hey, this, this thing's cool to listen to, and, uh, and whatnot. Now, technically, uh, Anchor does give offer the ability to, uh, to support me financially. If you really feel like you have the cash to do that, I won't say no to it. I'm not in a position to say no to it but uh but honestly uh, just you know share the share the podcast share the love help people find where they can listen to me and i am available on numerous different things now including anchor apple spotify uh but you're probably listening to me somewhere so you know at least of that place uh all righty well thank you so much uh for coming out and talking with me again here ryan
1: Thank you so much for having me, man. It was a blast as always. Yeah, I it's appreciate always
0: you. fun. Uh, so yeah. Um, thank you for joining us, and uh, let's let's just say goodbye to the people. Adios, Bye. audience. Hi, everybody. Hi ho there, it's uh, Jordan Peterson again. And uh, you may have noticed I'm sitting in the middle of a swamp on a tree stump with a ukulele. Oh wait, I'm sorry. This is a banjo. And uh, that's because I'm going to play a song for you now called Not the Rainbow Connection. Oh, oh wait, never mind. I've got to run now. There's a bunch of, uh, there's a bunch of larger women running towards me. Oh God, they want my lunch money.